Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to the Disability After Dark feed. I am your daddy, Drew Gerza. Hello. I wanted to pop in today. And you know, if you listen to this show, one of the things I love to do is uplift other disabled creators and give other shows a chance to grow and other disabled people a chance to do their thing. And I am excited today to play for you a brand new disability-themed podcast episode. Let me tell you all about it. If you listen back to the very first episode of Quarantine and Chill, you'll hear me interview my friend, Tony, about our experience in college. We went to college together. We've been friends now for a very long time, since like 2009, we've been friends. And he created a show with my other friend, Jamie, called Cripple Threat, where they do like movie reviews around disability, and they do they do different kind of reviews around disability and talk about their experiences of disability. Jamie has CP, and Tony has spinal muscular atrophy, and they asked me last week to come on their show and review with them My Left Foot. Now, I wanted to review My Left Foot for this show anyway, and I was like, well, why don't I just put this on my feed, and then everybody can hear you and listen to your show. I love the name Cripple Threat. It's like I could have written it myself. It's pretty awesome. It's a really cool name. I think it's it's funny. It's The whole show is just kind of, they base the show on wanting to review a movie, but really they get into the deeper nuances of what it's like being disabled. Well discussing the movie and it's fun and so they asked me to come on with them and review my left foot so we had a really a lot of fun doing that and we we joke around a bit and it was just fun and I wanted to give their show a chance to grow and flourish and to be something really cool and I was really honored to be asked to be on their show so you can listen to this episode of my left foot which is episode six of their podcast triple threat where I'm a guest and I make hilarious jokes and we play around. And then you can go on their feed and download Cripple Threat wherever you get podcasts and listen to it and tell your friends and really help this show grow. So I'm going to stop rambling and play the episode. But remember, this is not in Disability After Dark style. This is totally their creation. And I just wanted to give it a chance to grow and flourish. And I think that... Any shows that are disability related deserve to be heard. So you wonderful people are a great audience and I wanted to give you a chance to listen. So here it is. Episode 6 of Cripple Threat with me, Jamie and Tony, right now on the feed. Enjoy. Ain't no CB bad enough. Ain't no spasm strong enough. Ain't no muscles weak enough to keep us from talking to you. On this episode <laughs> of Cripple Threat, it's a very special episode. Because as you can hear in the background, we are joined by a guest, fellow podcaster, writer, public speaker, disability rights advocate, voice actor, lip syncer, plastic <laughs> dancer. Give it up for your disabled best friend, Drew 
Hello. What's up? So nice to be here. Thank you for having me today. Um, I saw that on your Twitter it says that you are your disabled best friend. So I mean, I was. I'm not anymore. You're not. I mean, I am your disabled best friend because we've known each other for like fuck twelve years now. Wow. Yeah. Ew. But like, yeah. I am your disabled bus friend, but I'm not the internet's disabled bus friend anymore. Not anymore? You guys had a breakup? No, we broke up, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's too bad. Um, so yeah, you host another podcast, Disability After Dark. I host a better podcast. Disability. A better podcast? <laughs> just, just a better one. It's better. Absolutely a better podcast. <laughs> Where you've had real guests on, not just your friends. Correct. But no, but I think it, you have to start with your friends. So you're, 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 you guys are off to a good start, though. Aww. You have to start by roping in your friends. Being like, oh my God, I need to guess what I do. Yeah, you should come on. Cool, great. So you did this is the right pathway. Yeah, you just, you just don't trip all the pizza that you bought in uh, college. And you're like, Does okay, the well. Cripple Threat audience know that, I, that you bought me pretty much by way in pizza from the time I was... Like twenty. Yeah, you know, I'm not one to brag. For anyone, anyone who doesn't know, Anthony, Anthony, is that weird? Is that your name on here? Or do they know you as Tony? What's what's? I, I think both. I mean, Tony, we've known each other since 2009, and Tony basically bought me a pizza once a week for <laughs> every week that we were in school together for like five years. Yeah, you would just be like, hey, so um, I know you're in class right now, but can you get a pizza order to your place? <laughs> 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 I was a really shitty friend at that point, and I and I also never paid him back. So I, I'm pretty sure I owe Tony, and I'm gonna say this publicly. I'm pretty sure I owe Tony like three hundred dollars worth of pizza. <laughs> with today's inflation, would be like at least seven hundred. <laughs> That's good inflation! Wow, the pizza market is booming, especially right now. COVID is real. That's true, right? Um. So yeah, now you're huge. Do you have an OnlyFans account? You know how hard it would be for me to have an OnlyFans account? Hmm. <laughs> that, would inc- that would require me being able to take off my own clothes, which is, like... <laughs> what, okay, if you had, like, a, a hand slave that could help you take your clothes off... Isn't that off just a sex worker? For the sake of... Maybe a sex worker. What do you think the split would be? Like, do you think you'd have to give them 50% or, like... 20%? Are they taking off my clothes and helping me jerk off, or? No, I. Well, I don't know. I guess it, that's a conversation between you and them. But if they're just if they're just my clothes remover person, um, then I would, I guess, thirty for them, seventy for me. All right. Well, if anyone out there wants to be Andrew's clothes remover fans, person, fan. Yeah. Are we talking about the unofficial boundary between help and intimacy? Oh, wow. There's so many things that I can say that I won't say right now, but yes. <laughs> the very invisible, very blurry, very hard to understand, and very easy to bl- uh, break. Yeah, boundary. the boundary that is not really a boundary, but it's totally a boundary, but it's also not really a boundary, but you can sometimes get in between that boundary, <laughs> but you're not supposed to, but it's a boundary, but you, but it, but it's fun to traverse it but you shouldn't but you can but it's very hard it's so confusing do you have any interesting uh boundary stories i thought you were gonna say do you have any boundaries <laughs> do, you, do you have any boundaries okay but first of all you would start an only fans account am i right oh yeah if i was physically able to by now i would for sure be a being an important star without i think you would kill it on that 
and I have I've done proper like pornography, and it's fun and like, you know with the studio and had it filmed and like was with a person and did it, and so like I've done it, and I would love to do it on OnlyFans because I could make you know good money as a disabled person who can't work a conventional job, but like yeah, I just think the barriers of me trying to set up the camera and do all the technical side of things would be really hard if I had like a team helping me that didn't mind seeing my junk when I did it. Sure. But like, I feel like the whole internet has seen your junk by now. No, it's true. <laughs> just, just do a deep dive on my Twitter. You'll probably see my bed somewhere. It's fine. Yeah. We'll link to your official Twitter and then you're like dirty Twitter. Did I, I told you that I had, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's right. I did tell you that I, I have, a, yeah, I have, you have a dirty Twitter, an official public facing, like I'm a public figure and then I have one that's also like hey I sometimes show my dick on the internet hi <laughs> it, like what is dirty twitter it, it, it's like twatter what is it I don't twitter. twitter I like that <laughs> <laughs> it's called twatter um, but it's literally what I just said it's like oh I I they call it an, an alt so it's like your alternative like it's like there's your public facing one and then there's your alt which is like the dark deep dirty version of you that no one is really supposed to see Except okay, so it's understood to be a space where, like, that's what it's intended yeah. for. It's like okay. Instagram. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, like, <clears throat> what was the production company that made the porn with you? Himeros.tv. It's a, he, it was made by a YouTuber, Davy Wavy, who does like gay themed. Bruce Davy Wavy is a great name. I know, right? Um, so did he, you? Did you get funding for it? Like you got funding for your, your documentary? Well, the funding for the documentary was not, I didn't lobby anybody for that. The documentary people, and for anybody who's like, what fucking documentary was he in? I was in a documentary called Picture This, which if you listen back to episode three of this show, I think. Yeah, thanks. So yeah, the the National Film Board of Canada got all the funding. I had nothing to do with that. I was just, the, I was literally the talent being like, sure, film me 24 hours a day for a year. No problem. It's great. Was it really 24 hours a day? No, but it was literally like 18 hours a day for like, for like sometimes weeks on end. I remember they were, they came into my house one day and they were like, we're only going to be here four hours. No big deal. I was like, okay, cool. And literally they came in at like noon and they left at like 1 a.m. the next morning because they wanted to like. They were like, oh, can we watch you go to bed? That's literally what happened. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. They wanted to, they wanted to watch me shower. And then when we were done the first shower they were like oh we missed something can you do it again and so my care worker and i were like fuck off no we can't do it again like no but sure so like so like can you drop him again please we missed the part where you dropped him pretty much much. (laughs) um they're like no no we can only shower andrew once every 10 fucking days oh yeah you should like so i mean do you want to talk about how covid has been changing your life Sure. So we've been in COVID a year and a month now. Oh my God, weird to say. And I live, for anyone who doesn't know, I live in a supported housing unit in Toronto, Canada, which means that staff are available 24-7 or are supposed to be available 24-7. But in this fun, interesting world of the pandemic, we've had, we've recently had four or five staff come down with COVID here, which is considered an outbreak, which means... Because it's an outbreak, we're not allowed. No, nobody that lives here and is supported by the staff here is allowed to um, shower for the next ten days until this outbreak. Instead of twenty four seven, it's like 
four one. Yeah, pretty much. And then this, then this morning, for instance, they only had two people getting up nineteen clients, which feels really not super great. Oh my goodness! So it's been the last few weeks has been kind of a shit show for care, and I'm just grateful for any crumbs of care that I actually receive. So, like, even before coming on the call with you guys, I was lucky to go pee. They 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 texted me 10 minutes before I got on the call with you being like, do you need any help? And I was like, yes, actually, I need to urinate. Can we figure that out, please? Thanks. And so, like, they did it for me. But they're so, they're so short-staffed right now because people are getting sick and people are scared of getting sick. They're not coming to work. Is the outbreak under control or people are, like, cases are continuing to come up in your building that um not so much the building it's it's particularly the staff that work in this part of the building where i live so it's in their staff unit they're like something is happening in the way they're congregating that the virus is spreading that's terrible so do they do they also attend other sites no like is your building the only building that they no okay i think covid has made it a rule that you can only have one job right now yeah or like work in one location right yeah, I, I I just don't understand the strategy behind like, oh, like, oh, we can do everything for you. We can help you pee, but we certainly cannot shower you. It's like some sort of like unofficial decision on the hierarchical importance of certain elements of care. Whoa. And like what? Hang on. My CP brain was like, what the fuck did you just so many words all at once? What the hell? Yeah. So we have a segment on this show called Jamie's $10 words. <laughs> I think and, I think today's $10 word is hierarchical. Uh, like, you'll see. It's going to get more syllables than that. <laughs> oh, wow. But, like, do they think that like a crippled body odor will kill COVID? Like, I don't understand. Wouldn't it. that be amazing? That'd be <laughs> yeah. great. Yeah. That'd be um, fantastic. They found like the superior race and it's actually butt sweat. <laughs> DP butt sweat. No, the rationale is that if... <laughs> Because of the masks they wear and the the face shields they wear, that if the masks get wet, it makes it moist, which makes the virus spread more. Which so what they're actually proposing makes sense. I get it. I don't I don't love it, but I understand what they're trying to do. So have you tried the dry shampoo yet? I just ordered it. It's coming, I think, tomorrow or Monday. So no, but it's coming. But I'm scared slash excited slash I'm terrified that that even exists. Uh, why do we? Yeah, have- you're lucky. You have like no hair. Well, oh, that was me. Only on my head. So. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with having no hair. <laughs> Go a bit lower and you'll be very surprised. <laughs> Just flip them over. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> Ew. So yeah, COVID sucks. I, I've had this thought with Anthony and that, like it's potentially controversial. I don't know, but yes. Um, for for. <laughs> For people experiencing the COVID uh, epidemic right now who are able-bodied... That- pandemic, get it right. God damn it. Epidemic oh, is in, in one particular area. Pandemics all over the world, bitch. <laughs> oh, school. Andrew gets a $15 word a day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, so one interesting thing, like I, I've seen the pandemic um, put strain on a lot of my... Like able-bodied friends and family in some really they suck. Ways. Able-bodied friends suck. They're the worst. No, nobody cares about them. They're fine. Privilege is real. <laughs> well, so that's that's the thing is that like um, I've actually found that certain facets of my social life have gotten better and healthier in the Wait, pandemic because of, I, we need to pause and say, looking at your microphone and where you live and looking for what I can see here. I'm very shocked that you just told me you have a social life. 
<laughs> so I think what he's working getting at is he doesn't. <laughs> well, yeah, like like before the <laughs> pandemic. Exactly. Anthony's right. Before the <laughs> pandemic, like I I you know, I have like a, a circle of friends that I'm close to, but do you have a circle jerk of friends? It's okay if you do. Sometimes, to oh, be honest. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> oh. But <laughs> anyway, um Are you left hand or right hand down there, Jamie? <laughs> right hand. Okay, good to know. Just keep keep going. This is what happens when three boys run a podcast. This is what this is what happens right now. It just devolves into You're the one making circle jerk comments. Listen, does anyone know my podcast? BS Disability Up Drag is a sex podcast or was <laughs> a sex podcast for like three and a half years. Now it's an everything show, so that's why and that's what most people would know me from. And so that's why I'm so easy being like, let's get disgusting. I thought disability after dark was just you're disabled, but you didn't you can't reach the light switch. I mean <laughs> that's not inaccurate. I, I, all I was going to say is that um, I think that the general situation of COVID has um, had able-bodied people experience like a pretty standard cripple winter, but for like a year. And it's put a lot of strain on on, on them, <clears throat> like uh, like socially and professionally. And it's like made them feel l- like less useful in a certain context. And so... Like it's kind of in some way been like a twisted validation of how difficult it can be to exist day to day as a wheelie because the pandemic has made has isolated people in in a similar way. Yeah, they're not they're not able to cope with it very well. Well, they should listen to Gimps the next time they say isolation is hard. (laughs) And like like my my social life has has thrived just because like I've had to reach out to friends like in Ottawa and across Canada and like talk to them over discord or play games with them. What about the Americans listening to you? Oh, are are there Americans too? That's pretty cool. I don't know. I'm just assuming. (laughs) Maybe at some point that'll happen. But, uh, but yeah, like I don't know that I would have started a podcast like without COVID. Well, I know, I know you would have started it because Tony is a persuasive bitch and was like, come on, do it, do it. Come on. Andrew bailed on me. P.S. Tony and I were supposed to have one, then I bailed on him. I'm a bad friend. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, we so, recorded one episode. It was a pretty good episode until I ruined it. Was it was a great and episode, but ruined Andrew, it. Uh, didn't want ruined it to it. happen. So. Yeah, I ruined it. So, so here I am as a guest. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, Tony, Tony, I'm, I knew that Tony would, was going to like put that bug in your ear. Yeah, he's really good at like like assuaging my anxiety. Ooh, assuaging. <laughs> Tony gives me anxiety. But he doesn't assuage my anxiety. Our whole friendship is him giving me anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> he just gives you a slice of pizza and you're fine. Three hundred dollars worth. As I get older, pizza is the pizza is the fucking um, death of your digestive system. Yeah, I can't do it. And I just had some. And I have some every couple of weeks and I'm like, why? I can't eat it anymore. It's the same thing happens to me. And I, like for the first like few months, I was in total denial. And now I just eat healthier, unfortunately. So when COVID hit, did you go, like, were you happy? Did you feel a sense of joy because you knew that so many able-bodied people would be as miserable as you are every winter? No, it's not. It's not schadenfreude. It's like, it's just... um Wow, he really does try to use. I the, know. He just throws him in there. Through. He took one German class, and now he's fucking <laughs> the president of Volkswagen. <laughs> I took two German classes. Two German <laughs> classes. 
<laughs> Fuck you guys. <laughs> Amazing. It's not Schwarzenegger's cat. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, I, I mean, I just, uh, <clears throat> it's just interesting to me is all. I love the dynamic on the show already. Tony's the asshole and Jamie is trying to like keep all, keep all the shit together and trying to like make it. Yeah. Like if it wasn't for Jamie, I would just be talking about my shits every day. <laughs> Tony is running like the zoo in the morning with Anthony McAuliffe and Jamie's running. This is NPR. Shorting <laughs> <laughs> <Shredding> fingers. <laughs> and these are like completely different podcasts that are happening simultaneously as you're recording right now. <laughs> It's so funny. Well, that's why we have a theme where every episode we watch something that sometimes is disability related. Most of the times it's disability related. Tony, well, have you had if any? If you work hard enough, everything is disability related. Whoa! Whoa! You know what the Germans call that? Schmind is blownish. <laughs> any German people listening? I am so sorry. <laughs> What were you going to ask, Jamie? Yeah. We, uh, have you had any cloggable dumps lately? Oh, man. I had the most satisfying dump this morning. I didn't. Uh, but it wasn't cloggable. It was just like, like if a doctor was like, this is what a healthy poop should look like, it would have been what I did. So you, you were proud? Yeah. I had the one where the doctor would look and go, this is what an unhealthy poop would look like. Don't <laughs> make this. The doctor goes, okay, everyone get in here. This is what we were talking about in the lab. So now that we've discussed poo, though, should we transition to our first impressions of my left foot? Wow. <laughs> uh, that was a really weird transition, but I'm there for it. All right, good. <laughs> it's called Schweiden Schweiden pooper. Yeah, my left foot, which is was, at least, very critically acclaimed because it's Daniel Day-Lewis has cerebral palsy. Well, it's in Ireland, so I guess it's cerebral palsy. Well, fix it. He plays a person that has cerebral palsy. Daniel Day-Lewis does not have cerebral palsy in the least. No. As we'll get to when we talk about the movie. Are you sure? Based on his acting, he might have actually somehow contracted CP. Um, For anybody listening, you can't contract CP, as far as I know. <laughs> I feel like I've gotten it. Recently. <laughs> yeah, that's our plan all along, Tony, is to indoctrinate everybody, to, to <laughs> euthanize everybody with RCP. I want, did you know that one of the, this is bouncing around a bit, but we did a, an episode on devotees. It was our first episode. And there's a, a group of people, as you probably know, who uh, think that disabled people have like figured it out because against all odds, we're still doing well. So we are the superior race. And I want to indoctrinate everyone. With That's that. not what they think. You're, you're like the most wrongest about that. I did. I just did an episode on my podcast that hasn't come out yet where I talked to somebody who is dating a devotee and they don't. Well, there's they, different kinds. What version of devotee did you talk to? <laughs> well, we talked to Wikipedia. Okay, well, that's not a person. I've spoken to several people who are devotees. And it's just a twisted power dynamic. Sorry, I cut you off. No, it's literally like, I think their disability is sexy. Why can't I think it's sexy? Okay, that's healthy. Yeah, that's that's a healthy version of it. But I think there's also unhealthy. Anyway, that's, we're going to have to go into that whole thing then. We, can, can, we, can we refer to uh, Daniel Day-Lewis as Daniel Day-Douchebag, please? Yeah. Didn't we have a better name from the other day? DDL? DDL, yeah. Oh, that's DDL, true. yeah. It's called DDL. Um, 
I'm, I'm better at talking about poop than movies. So, Jamie, why not you talk about? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, the premise of my left foot is um, it's just oh my god, it's like entering a lecture from fucking 2003 when I started my first college class. The premise of this movie. <laughs> you in the bus? Are you sleeping? Let me let, let me fix it. I'm falling. I'm falling fucking asleep here. It's minute one. So we watched the movie called My Left Foot. It was produced in 1989 by Miramax. It has Daniel Day-Lewis and a bunch of Irish people that I don't know. And so <laughs> Daniel Day-Lewis plays the, the acclaimed Irish writer Christy Brown, who was born June 5th, 1932, and has cerebral palsy. Um, and he lives in a house with 22 fucking kids, 13 well, of whom survived. Right. <laughs> and then he lives, on, he lives under the stairs, and there's a bunch of scenes where... Because his parents couldn't do accessibility because it was 1932. Um, and he can only use his feet. And the very first scene is... Only use his left foot. Yeah, that's right. He can only use his left foot. And so his very first scene is his mom just carrying him up the stairs and then she falls. But when we were watching it, we all thought she we died. Thought... We spent like 20 minutes being like, wait, is she dead? What's <laughs> happening? We had to end up pausing the movie and working it up. <laughs> Because we were like, wait, is this just another generic Irish lady? Or did did we completely miss a plot point? Because they did pick like the most generic looking Irish lady to play both her, his mom and his sister. They look almost identical. Who Jamie recognized as the bird lady from Home Alone. <clears throat> yeah, Brenda Fricker. That's her name? Wow. That's her name, yeah. Damn, I want a Fricker. Really cool last name. I want a Fricker. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell was I going to say? Go, uh, go ahead, Andrew. Probably a long word. Professor Mendak is forgetting what his lesson plan is. Uh, but so then she falls <laughs> down the stairs and then they put him in a cart and they wheel him around the fucking playground a bunch of times and they play like soccer with him or something. And then Jerry, we realize- I want to ask you guys a question. What was, uh, I talked about mine on the last episode, but what was the weirdest wheelchair thing that you had to use growing up before it was an actual wheelchair? Well, when I went to go ice skating, quote unquote, they put me in a sled and like, like pulled me around the ice. Which... That exact same thing happened to me during electives in primary school. I was in this. Yeah, that's that. And the, the sled like promoted like a W sit and my physio was like, you can't let him use that. Oh, I hated the W sit. Me too. I was like, my body doesn't like this. Fuck your mother. This feels really painful. Why are you making me do this to me? I know what the letter W looks like, but I'm having a hard time picturing that. <laughs> It's like when you when you sit on your knees, but instead of having your heels under your ass, they're like to the side. So it looks like your legs are forming forming a W. Or it's like a butterfly sit. Yeah, my legs would break. Yeah, and it's apparently very bad for your your hamstring and your hamstrings and your. Uh, well, why did they make us your, do it all through the eighties? That was I hated it. It was the primary way that I got around if I didn't have a, my walker with me, which in the house like wasn't really encouraged because I would hit the walls a lot. But the Wait, did they go through every letter of the alphabet and go, this is the one? No, they were like, <laughs> oh, the legs look like a W W set. It's some <laughs> it's some like white some like white girl OT named Becky who was like, I'm gonna come up with something really cool. It's gonna be called the W set. <laughs> I'm glad right. they didn't come up with the S set. That would have been ridiculous. No like, nice nice try, but no. <laughs> um so then he plays, so Christy Brown is like eight years old, plays soccer a bunch of times with his brothers, and then you realize that his father's a drunk at some point in there. Because he's Irish. Yeah. And then 
His dad goes to the bar to have a drink because what else they're doing? They're in Ireland in the 30s. And then um, some guy's like, your kid's fucking retarded. Whatever. And so then the dad's like, fuck you. I'm going to prove you wrong. And then so the dad goes home and the kid writes an A with his foot. And he's like, yeah, you're a genius. Bye. <laughs> and so then he, then he takes him down to the bar and he's like, look, my son's a genius. And then he can spell mother. Yeah, he, he it's actually mother with his feet, and it's a whole big fucking deal. And then it looked really hard. Yeah, it, it looked like he, he actually like really physically strained to do it. Oh yeah, we should talk about how Daniel Day Lewis gets all the present the credit for that. Yeah, movie, but the kid they hired to be the young version of this was just as good. Yeah, at least as good, and maybe better. I would have watched the kid be the kid through the whole movie. Yeah, the, there there are scenes when uh, Christy's young and he's um trying to figure out how to move around his house and just like really straining to go down the stairs. And it looks genuinely like precarious and like terrifying. And like, uh, oh, he has a very curious. spastic are you, are form. You counting the words. <laughs> are you counting them? Because there's been like yeah, seven. The already. Episode, he's going to owe me like $400. <laughs> <laughs> what did you, he said? Precarious. He said, fuck it. What did he say a minute ago? Short and like, yeah. But there was another word that was like, he said, Ashwind. He was like, ta- <laughs> <laughs> he was talking about the episode and he was like, this is the premise. Oh, yeah, the premise. No. Is premise a big word? Jesus Christ. There's no way we called him out for premise. I did in my head. I was like, mm, premise. <laughs> anyway, then one of you guys take the rest. So then, <clears throat> so yeah, uh, the f- kind of the first third of the movie is devoted to Christie's childhood. And so, yeah, you see him like playing in the streets of, of of Dublin with his friends and they move him around in this like really uh, archaic looking wheelbarrow. It's a death trap. Um, it's a death yeah, trap. it's a total death trap. Like every time there are scenes where he's like being transported, you actually like w- like actively worry about his safety and what's going to happen. Um, but like the point is, I suppose that they kind of integrate him into that life, despite it being like very, uh, non-conducive to a disabled person. And, uh, like they show him like, you know, kicking, like playing goalie, like they lay him out on the ground on the road and have him use his left foot to like kick the ball away. From and then the he net. fucking bit a dude, which I thought was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Like, like in a physical altercation. I actually, one time in grade school, I was in grade six and uh, this like really aggressive uh, kid that I grew up with, like got really pissed off because uh, uh, someone scored on him. And then I was like, I guess being like a hype kid in the corner, like cheering for Wait, the other team. You're a hype kid. Hang on one minute. That doesn't. I don't know. Doesn't... I couldn't play. So I had to be in the audience, I guess. That doesn't track in my brain. You're like a shy wallflower of a quiet, worried anxious child i don't see you at all being a hype kid well that's a very flattering description andrew but um he's just like jumping up and down spelling short (laughs) (laughs) no he's spelling conducive so this kid whipped the soccer ball at my chest and i like kind of like fell over but i was so pissed off i like got back up on my shoulders and like went over to him and slapped his glasses off his face and then another kid ran by and stepped on his glasses and it became this whole fight. And the thing is, it took place. Re- so you also made fun of a disabled person. He wears glasses, man. That's just ableism of the worst degree. Wait, you can't make fun of disabled people. Then what are you doing this whole podcast? I mean, I'm here to just, I don't know. 
What was the point I was trying to make with this stupid story? Who I guess. fucking knows. <laughs> How you were also good at triple soccer? Yeah. Crocker? I was allowed to play floor hockey, but that was it. Everything else I had to sit out That on. just feels counterintuitive because floors and CP are... Well, I could technically use my K-Walker as like a stick. And so I was able to kind of hit... The... Where do they remember these dumbass names, K-Walker? It's to do with the shape. <laughs> K-Walker... W sit. What the hell? Yeah, they just picked letters. <laughs> it's like the same people that name kitchen appliances. They're like, what does it do? It refrigerates. We'll call it a refrigerator. It's because the uh, the way the the linoleum bars are structured, it looks like a the letter K, and it's reverse from like a standard orthopedic old person walker. I feel like I'm making Tony fall asleep. Sorry, guys. I mean. <laughs> Tony's, you, you lost me at K-Walker. Tony's I, myelin is depleting since he was born, so him falling asleep is not a big surprise. Myelin. <laughs> I'm, I'm the only one not earning any points. I'm going to have to look up a long word list. Okay, so then, so so yeah, he's a kid. And then he, then halfway through, he becomes a teenager. And there was a part in the movie where they're eating porridge for the 10th fucking year in a row because they're poor and it's Ireland. And so... They're eating porridge. Pours literally in the in the name of the food, porridge. I had to grow up on porridge. Did you? Ew, why? I ate porridge every day. My parents insisted that it was like the only thing good for me to eat. And like, I feel like I you're know, joking. I'm sure it, no, no, no. I'm sure it is good for you. I'm not going to try to argue that it's maybe not. It's probably not, though. It's probably just like... Don't we know now that wheat is like basically? Well, it depends the kind you get. If you get like the, if you get like the Quaker one that's full of sugar, I'm pretty sure that's not good for you. But if you get like the steel oatmeal that's like super hard cut and they do all this bullshit to it to make it good, I'm sure that one's sort of good for you. And I guess they figured since you couldn't chew and we're losing like, no, I can chew back then. Oh, so why did they make you eat it? Yeah, that's what I'm trying to figure out. Twenty years later, but <laughs> one day. So every day it was like porridge. If I was lucky, I'd get like an egg or toast, but on a Saturday only. I think it was also because it was quick because they did use those Quaker ones where they just throw it into a bowl, heat it up in the microwave, and then I eat it with like maybe brown sugar if they're feeling frisky. Tony's basically the disabled fucking Oliver Twist over here. <laughs> yeah. Please, sir, can I have some toast? <laughs> <laughs> like in 2005, you, you lived the life of like an oppressed Irish family in the 1930s. <laughs> okay, but then one day, my mom... Okay, uh, but... <laughs> <laughs> she put it in the microwave. I remember this because it like traumatized me. Oh, no. And usually she put it in for one minute. But I guess she was in a hurry or distracted. She put it in for 10 minutes. Oh, my God. And I don't know if you've ever put porridge in the microwave for 10 minutes. No. But I would implore you to never do that. (laughs) Implore $8. Well, (laughs) there you go. There you go. Catching up. So basically it came out like black, burnt, like a crust of porridge. And the whole house smelled like that burnt smell that you everyone knows. And instead of, I was like, oh, this is my day. She's going to be like, fine, I'll get you some toast. Obviously, like, this isn't working out. No, she just threw that out and made another bowl of porridge. No. So I still had to eat porridge. I went to school. 
And this is like now I'm now I'm like running out of time. So I had to like wolf it down and then get on the bus and I go to school. And I'm telling you, all day, everywhere I went, people were like, What's that smell? Oh no, that's awful. And I had to be like, Oh, it's me because oh, no. I had burnt porridge for breakfast. Oh man, that's bringing back like so many memories for me as well. <laughs> go, go ahead. Yeah, it was like all the way up till the end of the day. I remember in the last period, uh, somebody was like, it smells like burnt toast. And I had to just be, and it was one of my friends. I was like, it's actually me. They obviously thought it was hilarious. <laughs> um, but Boys are the worst. It was traumatizing. So, Tony, did your mom like funnel porridge into your face while she was slapping your chest on the iron <laughs> board? No, luckily they were two separate traumas <laughs> luckily she slapped hang on your mom slapped her face in the iron board oh man yeah without uh, we, we talked about this on the last episode but like basically for chest physio i'd have to lie down on an ironing board and just get beat up excuse me <laughs> yeah that was a whole yeah. thing last episode you were born yeah. in the fucking 90s they had blue mats by then why couldn't your mom buy a blue mat or i'll be some physio to be like Give my son a blue mask so I can do proper chest physio. What the hell world were you living growing up in? <laughs> I'm telling you, man, 1930s Dublin. Like, shit. I was going to say, like, I, I, I looked up uh, Christy Brown before the podcast, and, like, the guy looks, like, fairly able-bodied. Like, there's, like, a minimal evidence of, like, atrophy in his, like, overall physique. And I was thinking, like, if he, if I bet you, if he had access to contemporary physiotherapy, the dude would like totally be able to use more than his left foot. <laughs> Maybe, but like atrophy doesn't necessarily, it's not the only indication. Like, if he was spastic everywhere, then he might still have muscle tone, but it's like too much muscle tone. Also, yeah. I hate physio. Guys, I hate it too. Um, I was going to ask you guys if, uh, if my left foot was about you, what would it actually be called? Like for me, it would be called my right arm. <laughs> for me, it would be my right index finger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my right hand. Your right hand. <laughs> See, that, like that's kind of uh, why I don't really like the title of the of the movie because it's like <laughs> the focus of the film is the thing about Christy Brown that allows him the most to interface with the able-bodied world. It's not about his writing. Like, it's not about, it's not like my poetry or my books or my paintings. It's my left foot. Like, fuck that. But that was the thing that got him, like, he was able to, to make art because of his left foot. And they were, you know, the movie was totally done by an, an able-bodied crew and an able-bodied cast. And... Oh, it was in very poor taste. That's, that's what, that's what I'm, I'm trying to say. Exactly, exactly. They weren't doing it to be like, look at his look what a cool disabled person he was. And also, I don't think he was the cool disabled person. I think he was a bit of a dick. Yeah. yeah. I, I always think about these things. Like, you take these uh, uh, character portraits of wheelies in popular culture. Like, if they were part of the clique at Carlton, they, they would be, like, ev eviscerated, like, totally eaten alive. I mean, even if you look at, like, go, if you go back to my, the, 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 the documentary that I did, like, I, that was a character there. Like, not, and they, they framed me in a way that made me look sympathetic and like cool and like really oh so what you're saying is you're not those things i mean not all the time no but like <laughs> they made me really sympathetic for an audience and so like i there were points when the director and i would sit down and i'd be like you can't shoot that like you watched it there was a scene where i was sitting by the window looking wistfully out the window and they had like 
plinky plunky music playing. And I remember yeah. fighting with the director being like, I don't like this scene. Because oh, that's really interesting. It doesn't, like, you're going to make me come off like this sad, poor, disabled person. They were like, oh, no, no, it's fine. I want to be where the people are. Yeah. Totally, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, like, when they were making My Left Foot, they weren't thinking about how that would translate to disabled bodies. They were thinking about, you know, they well, they weren't. They, to their own ignorance, they weren't thinking about it, which is not really their fault. It's just the fact they were able-bodied. And it was the 80s, so, like, nobody was hiring disabled people at that point. They were really heavily into their, like, inspiration porn bullshit. Yeah, they, yeah. You know. They're totally mining his suffering for the artfulness of it. Like, it's it, nothing to do with the person independent of his disability. I just thought it was funny that the halfway, like, there were a bunch of times where, because Chrissy Brown had a pretty heavy, what I'll call, disability accent. So, because of his CP you might say it's a speech impediment. He kind of talked, he had a relaxed like jaw. I'm not going to repeat it because that's kind of rude. But he had, you know, like... Wait, is it rude if you do it, but not rude if he did it? I mean, I guess so, because I have CP. I guess it's okay. Yeah, do it. He does, he does like... Do it. Hey, my name is Christy Rowe. Like that. And so yeah. we have a bunch of friends who talk like that, so we're, I'm, we're really used to that accent. Um, And so, you know... What was I saying? Yeah, so he, like, you know, there were points in the movie where DDL, Daniel Day-Lewis, would, like, forget to... Put on that affectation, yeah. And so there was a moment where he said something and when we were watching it, and he said it, like, perfectly, and we were like, he wouldn't have said it like that. I mean, I think that it, it can go in and out, but, yeah, I mean, he was surprisingly good at the role, but it's still... If you're going to try to do something that severe, I don't know if severe is the right word, but, like... I would say this. Yeah, like, then you definitely have to nail it. Apparently, he spent uh, eight weeks in a disability uh, hospital in Dublin. Like, well, just that's kind of not like, where he should have gone. He should talk to, like, real disabled people that aren't, that aren't painfully institutionalized in the 80s. Like, go to a real place. Was there a real place in the 80s? The, yeah, that's my question. In Dublin? I don't know. Maybe there wasn't, but, like... That's probably, like, the best place to go. If you visited George Jeffries Children's Treatment Center in 1987 when I was born, it was probably full of a whole lot of like institutionalized looking wheelies or children. I mean, the institutionalized looking wheelies are the coolest. <laughs> I, used to, I used to stay at Bloorview, Holland Bloorview Center when I was a kid, when, and it was called Bloorview McMillan back then. But I used to go for weekends, and my mom would like drop me off there, and I would stay there for like four days. And they would do all my care and take care of me. And my mom would just get a break. And I remember kind of loving it because I was alone. I got to like be a kid with a bunch of other disabled kids. And yeah, it was a hospital, but they didn't, you didn't know that when you were a kid. Yeah, that's true. If you, if you had care workers that actually liked kids, then it made a really profound difference. I used to find that with uh, student support people in, in uh, elementary school, like the first couple of years uh, in like grade one. Uh, I, I had a really awful time. Like my teachers were miserable and they were kind of mean You to were me. six. Of course you had an awful time. You were six. You were six. Well, I mean, like, you know, I, <laughs> I tell the story about how I used to have this foam chair that would sit on the, the carpet in grade one that was like elevated so I could get to it easily from my walker without falling or making a scene. But then the expectation became that I joined the kids like for reading as quickly as everyone else. And if I was too slow, I would lose 
some of the aggregate pat time that we had for aggregate. Who are you, Professor Fucking Mendek? What the oh, fuck? What class am I taking? <laughs> it's a nervous I'm tick. A, we're gonna I mean, make him so uncomfortable. He'll be like, and then I speak in people's. <laughs> <laughs> How many credits do I get? I start in chair. The the point is that my slowness in grade school like was like weaponized against me oh my god tony he literally did that he literally did what you just said he's <laughs> like my point is I, <laughs> I, my point is i walk slow bad so yeah i don't know if you had people who who had empathy and liked kids then you had a good time and it didn't really care about whether the the surrounding institution or the people that looked after you or whatever, if there was any sickness in that, like it was anecdotally better with people who cared. Do you think that this movie did a good job considering that it came out in 1989? Yes. 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 That's like basically the qualifier that you have to put before every praise, like every note of praise you give it. Right. I think they did an exceptional job for 99. In fact, as I said to you guys, when we were watching, it was the first movie that I ever watched that had a disabled person in it. Yeah. And it was like, my mom. <laughs> you were like, is this going to be me? You're like, where's my wheelbarrow? No, but like, like literally, my, my my mom would show me this and be like, look, it's, it's what you have, Andrew. Ah, uh, that's actually like kind of sweet. I do have a left foot. <laughs> she used it. Fuck you. She used it to like show me that like, look, look, here's an example of what you can do. And like. Yeah, he was poor and yeah, whatever, but like, so were we. Yeah. And so like, thinking about like what I can do and she showed me that, look, he became a great writer and you can do that too. And like, showing me that there were examples of disabled people out there. Now, now looking back on it, he wasn't the best example, of course not. But like, given the time, it was a pretty prominent thing to see. Yeah, he's like a a sympathetic kind of role model for sure. Um, Who do you guys think your disabled role models are now? Honestly, that's a great question. It's no, it's no one older than me. I mean, maybe my, maybe my sister, like to a point. There's no, doesn't count. I don't know who she is, so she doesn't go. Um, no, I don't really know that many. Like, I don't know. I don't. I don't have an answer. I would say I mean, now. I would say like I, about. I would say much activist like Emily Ledow is a good one, who does writing on disability. Like you know, but I, I would say public really public figures. Yeah, I would agree with you. There's, we're still in this weird place where disability is not given enough credibility to, to have big role models. Um, Can I say my dad? Like, he's not disabled, but, like, he's in his uh, mid-80s and his health deteriorates. Like, recently, he had some surgery on his eyes and that went bad and he basically went blind. And just, like, the way he handles... Even like when he broke his ankle or had a stroke or anything like that, he's always just like so good at just like calmly rolling with the punches and be like, well, you know, like this is it. And I just have to like accept the things that can change and or can't change and change the things that can change. And like that's yeah. really inspiring. I, gross. I think that, <laughs> I mean, just inspiring, but, but I think there's an overlap between like getting older and having disabilities. So yeah, I, I would say he could be a role model for sure. That's a good point, actually. Um, I would say I draw a lot of, um, I don't know, I model a lot of myself around my parents for better or worse. And uh, <clears throat> my dad, 
like can honestly it's some sometimes be a pain in the ass but in general he's like a very resilient and very caring person and like he just had a quadruple uh, quadruple bypass a year ago yeah very serious right and like you know they they caught it early because he had like uh some other symptoms that like allowed them to address it before it became a real problem but he still had to have very serious surgery and he's 77 years old but i can't remember a point in my life be it childhood or early adulthood where there like i could not rely on my dad for something and and like that has to count for something he's always been a very um persistent and uh like a unconditional kind of caretaker like above and beyond essentially i feel like if i had a different if i had any other dad it, it would be different um but the uh <laughs> all that being said there's a lot of kind of like subtle ableism in my family like i was thinking like if if my left foot was Whoa, about shit me just got super deep and super real really fast all right go ahead sorry i i was just gonna say if if uh my left foot was was about me my dad would be like what about your right foot joe <laughs> like what are you gonna do with that it's just like because <laughs> you know my joe who's joe yeah, he, he calls me joe for some reason um, except your name is Jamie. Cool. Um, I know. I know. I can't explain this to anyone, but it's a thing. Because I was gonna be like, uh, what? Um, <laughs> my dad is a singer, so I win. No, I win. My dad should be up your dad. But no, my dad. You know, my dad. He's my stepdad, but he's been around since I was three. Yeah, and you know what I love about him is that he he started raising me when he was twenty two, and I'm. Like, I'm not his biological kid. He didn't have to. Like, yeah. who would step in to raise a disabled kid at 20 and 22? Like, that's a lot I, of, that's a huge responsibility. And he was yeah. like, okay, the woman I love has a disabled kid. So I guess I'm doing this now. Like, that's the same thing with my dad. Like, uh, it's all winters are shitty, but this winter is post heart attack and he's still out there shoveling. And like, whenever my sister needs, tell something. your dad to stop shoveling. <laughs> no, I know. Danger Bay. I mean, I know, I know. My mom goes out there with them and whatever. He can't be d- discouraged. But uh, just run him over. <laughs> My dad's the same though. He's like, you gotta do exercise, otherwise you won't get better. Yeah, he's well, just like, does he does he look at you and go, <laughs> and you look at him and go, what exercise, Dad? My mind's <laughs> deteriorating. <laughs> Spinal muscular atrophy, Dad. No. <laughs> Yeah, pre-COVID, he was taking me to the the Lakehead University track house to walk around every day. Oh, like, I fucked that, 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 fuck the was guy a, from Lakehead once. Oh, really? How unfortunate. It was good times. He was hot. <laughs> oh, cool. He was a dick bag, but he was hot. I wonder if it was one of Jamie's friends. Probably was. Probably earlier, was, yeah. Earlier in this podcast, Jamie said that one of his friends is gay and he knows. <laughs> I did not <laughs> say that. <laughs> <laughs> So then to to tacit, to just totally bring it back to what we're supposed to be talking about. <laughs> so, so then Christy Brown grows up and he meets a speech therapist named Eileen and Eileen. she's super hot and she's the woman who she's she's in a bunch of British stuff and she you know, she's really cool. So he meets her. He falls in, in like with her really fast, which I think we all found kind of um Important like, to point out because some. Well, as soon as like when you're disabled, like someone gives you attention, and it's so easy to like 
mistake that for feelings. You're like, oh, yeah. like they're looking at me and treating me like a normal person. Yeah, a hundred percent. You're like, oh, maybe that means they like me. And usually it just doesn't, but. And then, then so he falls kind of for the speech therapist and they meet because his mom hires her to help him. So yeah, he, she's she's a social worker in training. Uh, the interesting thing is apparently he's, he was 16 at the time, which wasn't kind of accurately conveyed in the movie because Daniel Day can't de-age himself willfully. And then she meets him and he goes, fuck off. And she goes, I can, with speech therapy, I can tell you how to say fuck off better. And he like smiles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the best joke in the movie. And then they become like best friends. And then... Um, she wants to take him to a place to to like learn better. He thinks it's gonna be her like sexy apartment or whatever. And then he goes to this place, <laughs> and it's like it's like a hospital with a bunch of kids. And he he literally is like, I want to go home. And then they they take him home. And then yeah, it's funny. Like that in that scene, uh, like when when uh, when he gets taken away from his family home and brought to her uh, hospital or whatever. It's just like it's a very quick cut of. Uh, of like an array of wheelies just like on yoga mats, like in, uh, in row on row. I wonder if they hired real CP kids to do that scene. I they must have. I was trying to figure that out when we were watching it. And like, are there eight-year-old kids are the best actors or they actually did? Because like they had like full on like, like uh, contractured wrists and stuff. Oh my God, that's my life. That's my drag name. Contractured wrist? Is that a joke? Or contract your dick that you made right there. <laughs> I can't wait till you start drag. I did. I did. I I did do drag. You know this. My drag name was... I didn't was, know that. Did I know that? My drag name was um, Eloise Cumlots. Eloise what? Eloise Cumlots. Ew. It's disgusting. And I did the Carlton drag show four years in a row because... They wouldn't let me do, they didn't want to have, let me do it because they were like, oh, we'd have to build a ramp up to the stage. And I was like, yeah, if you don't, that's discrimination. So you have to. And I made, I like, forced them to. And so then every year I did it. One teacher lost, one professor lost his job because they like couldn't afford to pay his salary and build the ramp. <laughs> no, they didn't even build a ramp. They got ramps from fucking... Canadian Tire, those like portable ramps, and they just put they oh. put like six of those up to the stage, so it wasn't a hardship for them. But I remember they were like, "Andrew, you're not let you, we can't let you do it because it's a safety risk." And I was like, "That's discrimination." They probably just didn't like your name. Come on. <laughs> First of all, my name was amazing, but Contraction Dicks is so much better. Um, <laughs> Contraction Dicks. I don't know if uh, people know what contractures are, actually. Contractures are when you can't, when your muscles are locked in a certain position. So if it's you look tendon, of, I think. Yeah, that's right. If you look at a lot of kids, I think it's a muscle, too. Like if you look at a lot of the kids with CP, they'll have, where they're sitting in their chairs, their knees won't be able to bend out past 90, and if it does, it hurts. So, like, if you go to bend my knees out past 90 right now, I'd kill you. I'd kill you. Yeah, it fucking hurts like hell. Every every yeah. morning when I when I when I get help with my shoes, my parents are like, um, why aren't your legs at 180 degrees? And I'm like, 
I'm 33. How is this not obvious by now? <laughs> and they're like, oh, we should send you to get hamstring extensions again. Ew, no. That surgery is horrible. It's the worst thing ever. I was nine and it was the worst. I would just, I'll just live with my pain. Thank you very much. Bye. How old were you, Jamie? Uh, four and uh, oh, 12. Four? Yeah. Jesus. That's... I'm pretty sure that's the root of my like anxiety problems. I remember waking up after that uh, initial surgery when I was four and you're in like full leg casts. And I, I woke up, I was in so much pain that it, I didn't even realize I was in pain and I kind of blacked out. I love the drugs in the hospital though, man. I've been in the hospital a few times for different stuff. My tummy is a trash fire, but so, but I love this. I love the drug they give you that makes you all like, okay, everything feels amazing. It's great. It's totally fine. Anything you do to me right now, I have no problem with. <laughs> cool, you want to chop off my arm? All right, that's great. I like it. Awesome. Yeah, that was alcohol for me in my 20s. Do you guys, when you see, I have a question to bring us back to the movie. When you see CP, like anyone with CP or your friends are on a movie screen, are you comparing how it affects you to how it affects them? 100%. Yeah, all the yeah. time. It's really unfortunate. Yeah. I wish I, I wish I didn't do that. I, do. I guess I'm kind of starting not to. Do you? Do you, you know? We've talked a lot about CP in this episode, and I feel like Jamie and I are monopolizing, or Joe. Sorry, no, because it's movies about <laughs> CP. Joe and I are monopolizing the discussion. So, like, do do you see any versions of SMA that are dramatized that we've not that we don't know about? I have no idea. I've never seen SMA in a movie. I, I know people with SMA. I've seen other people. I've seen it. Oh, uh, the uh, Stella in Picture This has SMA. Uh, there's also Shane Burkhart. He has SMA. Oh, yeah. Every time I look at him, I think of you. <laughs> <laughs> we have very similar affectation. Does that bother you? Uh, no, it's kind of endearing. Like, there's, there's kind of like... Like, you don't feel as uh, othered when you see that? Uh, you get $6 for endearing, by the way. How much do I get for affectation? Uh, $8. That's like 12 oh, sweet. 8 12 Okay, 12 <laughs> It's It's strange, because it's strange how it almost feels like having SMA makes so many things similar. Because we have a lot of similarities uh, in just, like, how our bodies work and... Yeah, like our voices are similar. You guys both kind of sound like Kermit the Frog. Can you sing Rainbow Connection? I don't know the words, but I absolutely would. Songs about rainbow. I don't know the words either. That's Sounds like you're nailing it. I don't even need to. <laughs> what else does he sing? I don't know. Oh, it isn't easy being green. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. Where are we in the movie? They meet Eileen. They meet Eileen. He falls in love with her. Oh, and then... then at some point, he tells her that he... Then his mom and dad are talking about how he's falling in love with her. And his mom goes, better a broken body than a broken heart. And I was like, oh, you're such a bitch. That's a horrible thing to say about your kid. Because she doesn't want Eileen to hurt him because they realize he's falling for her. And then one day he's like, Eileen, I think I love you. And Eileen goes, cool. This is my fiance. This is my fiance, Peter somebody. And I'm going to marry him in six months and they're at dinner together. And then 
dude does the most badass thing in the history of film. He, he can't. I mean, it, it was a little much. But... I mean, it was it was uh, it was super much, and it was way over the top. But I thought it was really funny that they filmed it. Yeah. So he all he could do was drink. So they kept giving him booze, and then everybody he was like, you, basically telling the guy to fuck off. And he's like, "You fucking suck! I hate you!" And so then, um, so okay, then, but like, let's start because she didn't not lead him on. Yeah, she totally did. We all thought that they were actually together. Yeah, we did. She so basically, Eileen makes him feel all the feelings. He has all the butterflies. And he wants to like be with her, and then one day he, they're at dinner with his. With her, with Eileen and her fiance, who he doesn't know is her fiance at this point, who Christy doesn't know is her fiance at this point, and then he said he like says I love you in that weird way. He it's does. a classic like oh a wheelie is not an option. It doesn't matter. Just the best friend. You can sort of tell that like she that she likes him too, but she knows that she can't be with him because social mores dictate that she's not allowed to do some bullshit. Yeah, and then so like. She tells him at dinner in front of the guy that, oh, me and Peter are going to get married in six months. And no, like, she only, well, yeah, she did tell him, but she only told him after he was like, no, like, I'm in love with you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then he's like, what? What? Well, can't believe it. Honestly, he drinks a bunch of booze and then they take the booze away from him. And he says, he says to one guy, he's like, stop drinking or whatever. And he goes. Shut your fucking mouth, or I'm gonna do something to your, <laughs> you know, to the only part of your anatomy that can rise or something. And oh yeah, that has a, a move. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that can move or rise. At least they're gonna cut off your dick. And then so they take the booze away from him, and then he just starts like banging his head on the table. And um, I thought that was really kind of funny because we've all been there, not like bang your head on the table angry, but we've all been in a place where we told somebody how we felt, and they were like. Oh, sorry. I don't feel the way about you. Friend zone. Bye. Or I do feel the way about you, but I'm scared to tell you. It was super cowardly that she wouldn't take that conversation like away from the public eye. She wouldn't have it privately with him that she told him that she was getting married like in his presence. It yeah. makes him seem like a child. And the thing is, the the context of that event is that um, uh, Christy has just released My Left Foot like his first kind of stab at an uh, uh, an autobiography at that point. And so he is technically the focal point of the event. And he's like center screen, like in the scene. And uh, he... Was that what was happening? I just thought they were having some weird ass dinner. I was like, why are they... What's going on? No, it was like his release. Oh. Yeah, it was his first... It was his first publication. And then he uh, uses the money from that to give to his mom and... Oh yeah, that was my favorite part. He used his gimpy release money yeah. to be like, "Here you go, mom. Here's eight hundred pounds," which in the thirties was like fucking seven thousand um, dollars. Yeah. So I thought that was cool. And then we talked about how, like, you know, it's I think it's cool when disabled people have money to like give back to the people that we that have helped us so much. So like, I made a bunch of money this year, not a bunch, but I made enough to give my mom some money back. And it felt nice to be like all those times when you yeah. supported me when you because you knew I couldn't to be like here's here's something to say like thanks. It's a, it's a kind of reciprocation that eludes us for most of our lives. So when we actually get to the point where we can do that, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, I agree. What do you guys think of his temper tantrum? It like it was it was it was so hard for me to watch because I know I've behaved in similar ways. I have too. I I definitely have. Really, yeah. guys like bite tablecloths off tables. No, but just like no, like reacting like 
I've been childish and I've been like, I've been, I've said the wrong thing. And I've been like, I had somebody who I was texting them 8 million times a day and they had to be like, Andrew, you can't text me 8 million times a day because I have a life. And I thought like they were rejecting me and I got really like, okay, well, if you don't want to talk to me, like, fine, I'll just go over here. And they were like, no, I'm just trying to like set a boundary and tell you that it's not cool to like, I need my space. Yeah. And so I definitely have reacted similarly. Yeah. And I, like, I've been overwhelmed by like uh, situations in my early twenties, like publicly, and then totally behaved inappropriately and super regretted it afterwards. And it was like, it was all kind of enhanced by disability. Disability. I think I'm like, the Oh, you did it. There was this one time, uh, there was this one time in like 2008, uh, I was staying at Lee's house at Carlton during the summer and this one attendant, um, he was working like the, the summer circuit and he was always on campus and like he had this tendency to spend a lot of time with the clients when he was on shift and he kind of, he kind of played it as though he was like our friend friends and oh do i know who do we know who we're talking about here yeah you do you do know yeah and, and, we, and okay yeah it was he was incredibly patronizing and i could tell like from the offset that he was inauthentic like i have i had able-bodied guy friends at the time like i know the rhythms of that dynamic and i wasn't seeing it the rhythms of that dynamic i think we just discovered what your autobiography is gonna be <laughs> oh, jesus jamie mendek book one the rhythms of my dynamic narrated by Drew Gerza and Tony McAuliffe part one <laughs> like I know when an able-bodied person it, like it like means means to be my friend and when they don't and there was this point where this attendant who I know I'll probably name at some point don't do it <laughs> uh, was <laughs> I don't want to have to bleep it uh, he, he, he was working the night shift and he decided that he wanted to have some drinks and a little like uh, a pre-drink at a client's house before they went out to the bar, like without us, but they wanted to pre-drink with us. And I wasn't home at the time because I was. Oh, I was off. maybe that's not who I'm thinking about. Is it that person? Well, P.S. We'll we all went. To, we all went to school together. So if you're listening to me, like, what the fuck are these losers talking about? <laughs> that's what I meant. Yes, I'm. You do know this person. I don't know who you have in mind at at the moment. But anyway, he he went to my place and. Uh, when I wasn't Tony, home did like, you play FIFA a lot with him? No. Oh. Uh, oh. Oh. Then no, I, 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 I like the person you're thinking of. I think he really like cared about Tony and us in general. Until he disappeared. Yeah. Uh, but uh, in any case, this guy went into my place like without my permission and took like oh, booze yeah. and things from my apartment. I remember that story now. And he actually had, he actually like told me. Uh, a couple days later, but he said it off the cuff as though it was a, like a joke. Like, oh yeah, Jimbo, sorry, I went over to your place the other day and I got booze because we we were dry. Jimbo, why aren't we calling you that all the time? I don't know, but uh, in any case, he did that. And when he told me, I went from like like totally fine, like totally okay, to like CP angry, like like spasms. So like, you just I, had a bunch of contractures. <laughs> you couldn't, like, yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't even get the words out. I got like, cause I literally felt like, cause I always had the, the feeling that he thought of us as like children, like a little novelty. And it was easier to get through a shift if he could treat us. Well, he kind of did. He made Kristen and I like go get him sandwiches all the time. And we did cause we were losers and had no friends. So he would like ask us to go to the sandwich shop and get him sandwich while he was on shift. And we like, re I remember both of us thinking it was like this like exciting thing we got to do when really we were just, 
getting him sandwiches. <laughs> yeah, I his whole vibe was like totally fucking off. So when he when he did that, I I was like immediately like, no, you can't fucking do that to me, man. Like that's my living space. I can't believe you did that, and I'm not okay with it. And uh, I it got to the point where I was like pretty, I was pretty prepared to take a punch if I had to. But it my take like a punch my, or give one. I couldn't give a punch because I'm in a shitty little three wheeled scooter and have no leverage. Well, I mean, spastic, spastic three p, spastic three, three p, spastic CP punches could be really awesome. He also had like the physique of a uh, fucking Marvel superhero. He was very top heavy. No, he sort of looked like Mr. Tumnus from fucking Narnia. Uh, yeah, he had a Marvel superhero. What are you talking about? He was Mr. Tumnus. He had chicken legs. Like he he, did, he always skipped leg day. He skipped leg day more often than I do. I don't think I could see him at the gym. Yeah. <laughs> Tony, say words. You're just weirdly watching it. I honestly still don't know who you're talking about. So I just keep going. What? Yes, you and do. I, I know I know the person, but I don't. I'm just listening to the story. So now I think now I think I know who you have in mind, and I it wasn't that person because I got this attendant fired eventually. So yeah, that was like on my part. That was a total like public display of like overwhelming emotion and anger towards someone that I was like pretty ashamed of. And there are other examples too, but I don't want to get into them. Well, here's let's let's get let me get preachy for a minute because I think oh, no. that what happens, and you guys can tell me I'm right or wrong, is so many people in wheelchairs are like wheelchair users, Tony. Wheelchair users. No, people first, bro. Wheelchair user. No, no, no. <laughs> wheelchairs. Yeah, I hate you. You don't say the wheelchair first. You say the person first. Wheelies, okay, fine. Will grow up and often just have a smaller cir- social circle because they don't have a lot of people that see them as like viable friends or like relationship partners or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so then you finally meet someone who gives you a, a healthy or unhealthy amount of attention, and it's so easy to like dig your claws into that person because you don't want them to go away. And then your boundaries just get so blurry that eventually one day you're like, damn, I have no boundaries around this person. And some incident like the one you're saying happens and you just like blow up basically because you've kind of let it go on for so long. And then like enough is enough and it's the straw that breaks the wheelies back absolutely true that's completely true and also we've been socialized to be because of the stigma around being disabled we've been socialized to be like quiet and good and super kind and agreeable like, yeah nothing ever affable and nothing ever matters and it's okay and let like we've been socialized whether we want to believe it or not we've been socialized to do that because there are other options to be the angry disabled person all the time yeah so many of us which is going to make it even harder to have friends yeah so many of us fall into the the nice kind agreeable disabled person when like that's not really who we are. And that's the same thing that happened to Christy Brown, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, I think he thought that she knew, and I think she did know that there was feelings there. Yeah. And I don't think that they were unreciprocated. But I don't even but, think they were real feelings. I just think they were, they, that was his first chance at the gate that anybody right. paid, him, paid him attention. Like, that was the first person that paid attention to him. Yeah, as we'll get to later, like the person he chose 
didn't end up being super great either. Um, yeah, well, I just think it's a pretty common really thing, and it's partially the fault of like I don't I don't I hate blaming like society. It sounds stupid, but like um, there is this a lot of stigma, like you're saying, around. It's like you have to explain to people that it's okay to be with someone in a wheelchair or to be friends with someone in a wheelchair or someone something like that instead of it being like this normal thing. And so like you often see unhealthy relationships as a result. Yeah, like like and I think a lot of my relationships with friends and other people have you know have been not always the healthiest because of that kind of stuff. And I, I know that we've all gone through that similarly with people in our lives, like like being in unhealthy relationships because at least it was someone to talk to and somebody would pay attention to us, even if it wasn't the best for us. Or it's someone that gave us like a, like a window into some kind of normalcy in some element of our lives. And so like we tolerate like any amount of mistreatment up to a point and then it all comes it's like the floodgates open and it's like, no, no, yeah. like you need to appreciate that I am a person with agency and with boundaries and you can't infringe upon certain things without me. Don't steal my call. booze, bitch. Yeah. And yeah. then they're, they always react like, what? I didn't know you were even upset. Why yeah. Upset? How dare you make a scene like that? You disabled angry person. And it's like, yeah. well, I wouldn't have if you had just been a dickwad. Like maybe yeah. if she had pulled him aside and been like, Yo, Christy, I kind of think you're cute too, but I'm, I'm, not, go- I'm not gobbling this guy. So thanks for coming out, but no. Or she would re- like the standard reaction is, I've done all these things for you. What are you talking about? Mm. And you're like, well, it's not about what you've done for me. It's about how you see me. This episode turned into a weird therapy session <laughs> with all well, I mean, it, it, well, because otherwise, people that don't understand that might watch that scene. And just be like, this is ridiculous. Like, yeah, what like kind of crazy? Weird, like, yeah. And yeah. like, he was overreacting and he definitely didn't handle it very well. Like you should, it, it, it is also on you to be better at uh, advocating for yourself and administering those boundaries during the process rather than just letting it crash down all at once. But you don't learn that lesson right out of the gate. Like, you got to fuck up a few times, and she was the first woman that, you know... That he actually cared about. I mean, he tried. There was a scene way at the beginning that we forgot about. He tried at the beginning. He did, like, spin the bottle with him and his brother's friends. And, like, some girl got him and kissed him on the cheek and was like, Oi, I can't do Irish, but here I'll try. Oi, Christy, you're such a pleasant, you're the most (laughs) kindest person in the whole fucking room. And he got all like, oh, cool. And so then later he like, there's a whole bunch of scenes because he was disabled. They really wanted to show him as a shut-in. So there's a whole bunch of weird scenes where he would look outside the window at the world happening by him. And he'd come out there like like a creeper and be like, I'm at the window watching you. So he like, Watches his brother make out with a girl that said he was nice, or whatever, and then he thinks the girl likes him, so he draws her a picture with his foot, and so <laughs> she takes it and she she realizes it's from him, and she like his friends are like, "Oi, the cripple likes you." Her friends are like, "Oi, the cripple likes you." Oi, the cripple likes, you. and so like then she goes to his house and is like, "Christy Brown, I can't accept your foot picture. Sorry, bye." And then she like disappears. So like the poor guys been rejected every time he tries to do a thing. So this is the first time where where he like had a chance to be with somebody who, because she works in disability, 
to, she would understand him better and she wouldn't give a fuck that he was disabled. And I don't think he was completely out of left field. Like, they did seem to have a lot. Out of left field with his left foot. Oh, Oh, (laughs) out of left foot. Just hopping around. Yeah, no, I don't think he was. I don't think he was an amputee bunny out there, but like he, uh, he definitely, she was, she was into it a little bit. And I think that's probably why she didn't tell him because she knew it would break his heart. If she didn't care or if she didn't think he cared, I mean, in that way, then she would have just been like, Hey, I got engaged. Right. Exactly. But she didn't because she knew that he liked it. That's well, exactly. like we said at the beginning of with at the beginning when we watched it, it was very similar to a movie I think you have covered already, the sessions, and I called it the pre cum sessions because it's literally <laughs> the same movie. It's the same. Movie. It's the same movie, like minus the sex worker part. It's literally the same movie. Um, but you know, I also think that she should have pulled him aside or said to her like fiance, "Hey, would you mind stepping outside for a minute with the." With the party guests, while I talk to him before, like this gets out of hand. But she just let him like go crazy and didn't. So she, I think she's at fault here. Yeah, I think the whole thing was handled terribly by everyone, but it isn't an unrelatable experience for me and I think anyone I know in a wheelchair. No, but I think it's important that you bring up that context because anybody listening who doesn't understand can now understand that. Like when when it when a wheelie has their heart broken like that for the first time it's hard it's really hard yeah uh so then moving on the movie basically turns to him becoming like the broodiest artist in the world oh yeah and then he tries to kill himself which oh hilarious i yeah which trigger warning trigger warning suicide we're gonna talk about suicide for a minute so well it's like a three second scene yeah movie. then he tries to like take his foot and slash his throat which i thought was i don't even think he was serious about it really he, he took a razor and he, like, brought it up. But it, he wrote a note, too. But, like, I don't think... He wrote a note that was, like, therefore, I am dead and the world is over without... some Something really broody and, like, really pretentious. Yeah. That we had to stop the movie three times to figure out what the quote was. And now we all forget. But it was really, like, ridiculous. But also, like, don't think that if you break away his heart, he's going to go kill himself either. Like, yeah. Yeah. Come on now. Like, we can get over it. We're stronger. <laughs> we're stronger than that. Also, not that I want to make light of suicide, but if you're gonna, if he was gonna kill himself, there's a scene in the movie before this where he bashes his head on the table for five minutes. If he really wanted to go, just keep, just keep bashing your head on the table. It would be much easier to end your life, or just wheel your car out into traffic and then it's over. Yeah, but he hadn't written his broody note yet. <laughs> Therefore, I am. What did it say? Do we have it right now? I don't even know. Like. Therefore, there is no end or something ridiculous. <laughs> um, so then he writes the note and then they don't talk for a long while. And then the next, I think the next scene, his father dies. There is a cool Easter egg. If you're watching the movie uh, around this part, I don't want to give too much detail because find it for yourself and then let us know where it is. But there is a... 1940s urinal somewhere hidden in the movie. Oh, yeah! I thought that was a really cool accessibility Easter egg. I'm pretty sure he probably used it. Like, Daniel Day-Lewis probably used it for, like, months. Yeah, like, you can read about anecdotes where he um, only used a wheelchair on set, of course. 
And he would have the the staff, like the film crew, feed him, <laughs> which I think is the fucking dumbest thing I've. That's ever That's a little bit silly. I mean, come yeah, on. Yeah, fuck you. He feeds himself in the movie. No, he doesn't. Yeah, he was feeding himself porridge. No. Oh wait, no, 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 no. No, no, he no, no his yeah, brother no, no, was no, feeding. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, and then there's a part where. <laughs> to, because Tony went way back in the film so they're eating porridge and there's a part where the dad's gonna hit him because he makes a joke about porridge which mm-hmm. none of us understood because he he has the disability accent and the Irish accent so he says even the captions didn't know what he said yeah the captions were like Christie's mumbling so <laughs> he, just, he makes the joke and then his dad realizes that it's offensive and then he goes to hit him he's like I'm gonna hit you and then he realizes that like oh I can't punch my disabled kid <laughs> Don't punch wheelies. The, the moral of the story is don't punch the old kids. Um, so then... <laughs> Just don't punch people, really. Unless you're like in a, a pre-organized fight. Unless you have spasms, then it's totally fine. Um, <laughs> so then then he pees in the urinal and then he realizes that, no, he's an adult and he's... They, they like do a lot of flashbacks between his childhood and his like adulthood, but they never tell you what time they're flashing back to. So you have no idea what the fuck's happening half the time. So then, then he, then he, then his father dies, and they're in a bar, and they're like saying goodbye to his dad, and in a bar, which is like the perfect setting for an Irish funeral. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then some guy was like, "Your dad's drunk or something." Does he make fun of his dad or him? Uh, he remember. makes fun of the Browns. He's like, yeah. "All Browns are useless. He had a bunch of drunk assholes or something like that." I don't know. <laughs> I think that's Scottish, but I'm um, cool. Yeah, well, it's definitely Scottish. Um, I, I can't do that accent. So sorry. That dude donkey. You sound like Groundskeeper Willie. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably where it comes from. You sound like Shrek. <laughs> so then the guy is like, all oh, the Browns are fucking assholes. Yeah, see? And then um, <laughs> and then Chrissy gets mad and like, <laughs> and like high kicks him with his one foot, which I thought was really cool. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. He has like a spasm and does like a karate chop with his foot and they start a bar fight. And then Chrissy's mom, who earlier in the movie, Chrissy steals coal, coal with his brother so they can stay warm. And at the end, his mom was like, or right after he steals the coal, his mom's like, Christy, stealing coal is a sin. And so then when they're at the bar fight, his mom steals all the tail money and that seems to be fine. But Christy's stealing coal so they could survive is a problem. <laughs> so... Then they flash back to him being a, like a, a person, like an, an adult author. Yeah, and so he's at his like book discussion thing, and he's with his he's with his attendant care worker slash maybe aide slash. I'm not really sure who she was, but she was there. Yeah, I think she was she was his aide because they they the opening scene of the movie was he rolls up and she's like, "I'll be with you the whole night or whatever." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a great accent. <laughs> Um, so yeah, the, the, the kind of like, um, framework for the movie is that in the present day, Christie's receiving an award for his latest book, which came after my left foot. And he's like waiting in like the, in the green room to be called out, to make his speech or to have his speech read out by somebody else, which is kind of fucking weird and ableist and actually happened. Yeah. They had some like old guy being like, he's the bravest person that I've ever met in my whole life. Yeah, and some I, stuffy English asshole who also played Bilbo Baggins in the in the Lord of the Rings film. <laughs> but uh, but the thing is, like, uh, so yeah, so the reason we're flashing back and all over the place is because Christie's there in the green room 
with his with uh, his new attendant who he's just hired and, and is not familiar with, but she's being trained, I guess. And she uh, is reading his autobiography, is reading the book that he's getting the awards for. So the so the non non chronology of the film is just her reading the book. The non chronology of the what the hell? Sorry, <laughs> poor Tony is like I don't even know what where he just said. What are we doing? Uh, I understand the word chronology. I don't understand the word non, though. Isn't that Indian bread? <laughs> and it's really good, by the way. Yeah, but it's not chronological. <laughs> there was a guy at Carlton who was from India, and he used to, like, make us non. And it was he. I remember I, he lived across from me at Carlton. Was that Satwick? Yeah, that was his name. I was thinking of him the other day because he was also really hot. Um, he was really friendly. He was... I don't mean that in a sexual way, but... He, he would him. always flirt with me and be like... Andrew, if I was gay, you and me. And I'd be like, shut up, Sawyer. You're being gross. But, <laughs> but like, so so he would always invite me to his, to his like apartment for for non and he'd make non for us. And it was my favorite, favorite. It was so good. <laughs> anyway, so then <laughs> Christy, Christy Brown's book is being read um, by this idiot. And then he tells his brothers like, hey, I'm not going to go back with you. Like, thanks, whatever. And so then he takes her at the end of the award ceremony where he's honored for the book that he's just written and that this woman is reading. He takes her like out to the moors and they get fucking loaded together. And then it ends being like on June 5th, 1971, he married this woman. And so we thought it was a really sweet ending. And then right at the end, I mean, I was always a little skeptical. I was like, all right, like how long did they stay together? Like, did they actually, cause it, the relationship kind of started quickly anyway. And he's already kind of positioned himself as someone who falls in love quickly with maybe not the right people. And so, yeah, we looked it up and it turns out she was a dick. Yeah. He was an abuser of the highest order. <laughs> she, his death, he died 10 years. She married him in 19, 1972, and he died in 1981 yep. of choking by choking on a thing. Pork chop. On he steak. choked on his meal on a pork chop, yeah. Yeah, which could, you know, I was thinking about this because it's a really big fear as somebody with CP to choke on stuff. I think a lot of us have. I won't eat hard candy. I refuse. I like hard candy, but it. Is it because you think like you'll have a spasm and it will like, you'll slip it back or anything? Yeah, exactly. Or you'll laugh too hard. Like I used to. I used to get really afraid of eating things like grapes and apples and like fruits and stuff. And when you're, when I used to go to Easter Seals camp, which is like disability camp for a bunch of gimps to be in a camp together, I used Fuck, to go I there. Easter Seals. I loved it. Shut your dirty mouth. It was basically. <laughs> I got kicked out. What? Really? <laughs> what happened, How? Tony? Yeah. For being too disabled. That's all. Nothing exciting. What? What? Oh. They rejected you? They're like, he needs too much care. We can't handle this. He needs too much care. Are you serious? Fuck off, Easter Seals. They're like, we didn't realize it would be this much. Could you just take him home? What? They drove you all the way out there and they're like, it's horrible. That's awesome. Are you serious? It was my second time there. The first time I had a great time. And I won the award Poetic Robin Hood. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) So you're the one with all the $10 words. Yep. You're just hiding it from us. No, it's because for the uh, award show, I did like a rap. Oh, of course you did. <laughs> About what? Was, did you do Eminem? Ironing boards? 
<laughs> but I was also really good at archery, so I got around it. Archery? <laughs> you have no myelin in your hands to move. What? Yeah, all you have to do is lurk and say, pull it back more and turn it to the left. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's what you tell your dates. Uh, and pull it back more and look to the left, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, my sex tape. Um, God damn, gross, dude. Gross. Uh, so then, yeah, we realized she was a major abuser and she apparently beat him a lot. And there was like a, there was like allegations of abuse, and then well, he died with bruises. Yeah. So, which to be fair, like maybe if you are super spastic and you like bang your knees on tables and stuff, you can get bruises that way, right? I used to do this thing where I wouldn't pay attention to door frames, and my arms were really gangly and spastic, so I'd have my arm out like this. And I would drive full speed through what I thought was the hole in the door. Right. And it was the door frame. And I'd hit the door frame <laughs> with my arm and be like, oh, God. So, yeah, it's highly possible that he bruised himself. But I. But they did say that she was a dick. And she also, like, cheated on him and just wasn't a nice person and definitely wasn't, like, a good partner. No, no. It seemed like a marriage of convenience because it was at the height of his celebrity like, he literally is, like, an Irish celebrity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, I think he made a boatload of money. Um, so, yeah, it was probably just an, an opportunistic arrangement. Um, but he was also... Opportunistic? Professor Mendek, when is our homework due? And what's the essay on? <laughs> so, yeah. So, um, um, what was I saying? Every time, every time I call You're him... You're saying opportunistic. His... Yeah. <laughs> every time I call him on his words, you notice how he, like dumbs it down a little bit he's like so yeah what i really meant was so anyway bruh bruh. i was Um, (laughs) (laughs) um also in college i called jamie dark douche for a period of time so yeah because i was i was like really childishly obsessed with the christopher nolan batmans he kind of loved me a little bit he's obsessed with me i was obsessed with you yeah, and he just was... likes to world that into existence by saying it about everyone. Yeah. <laughs> You're it's that. his move. You're he loves wrong. me. He loves me. He loves me. He, lo- he loves me. It's my power move. I'm not yeah. going <laughs> to pretend like that's not true. Well, yeah. What were you saying, Professor Mendek? Like, in order to... It, uh, Christy was an alcoholic. Uh, and in order to finish his book, he needed a friend of his to, like, lock away his alcohol and not give him a drink until he had written at least like 10 pages a day or something like that. So yeah, he he like he couldn't basically exist without booze. So there's a whole component of self-harm in all of this that also contributes to his early demise, likely. Yeah. Um, but that's not to say that you can't have a healthy relationship with a wheelie. Don't let that be the takeaway either. Yeah, yeah. wheelies are Holy hot. Holy cow. I also created the hashtag disabled people are hot. So just a reminder, we're hot. Just a reminder. <laughs> One thing that uh, Anthony and I were kind of discussing in um, our previous episode on Broad, where the lead the lead actor was an actual disabled person, we're kind of debating the ethics of casting an able bodied person in a debating the ethics, or oh I don't know. God. We're discussing. <laughs> I, I I suppose there isn't a debate in, on that subject, but there's a debate. Well, I think, but I think also for the time that it was cast. And for the time that, for the time, I think it was, I don't think it's right. I think it was what they did. And because 30 years ago, disabled people were not as visible as they are now and don't have the same platforms they have. Like the only reason people know who I am is because of fucking Twitter and, you know, Facebook and these, these technologies that we didn't have 30 years ago. So I think 
Not that it's right, but I think it was expected 30 years ago. And now I don't think anyone could have done a better job than he did in that role at that time. Like he actually crushed the performance, right? It was it was almost unsettling. Like I didn't think that an able-bodied person should be able to like ape the the physical <laughs> tics and spasms of a of a cerebral palsy. Imagine he just got stuck in that role for the rest of his life. I mean, he kind of <laughs> did. He played Lincoln. Like, but like he has to play Lincoln and Lincoln has CP now. <laughs> Wouldn't it be really cool to see Lincoln with CP? I mean, I've been there for that. Yeah, that would be so good. Can we just read you Lincoln? He's reading the Declaration of Independence, but it's like it's like that whatever you were doing when you were doing the impression of him. But one, Four, one kind what of is it? What is that? Four score and seven years ago. Four score and seven years ago. <laughs> I'm allowed to do it because I really have CP. It takes eight years to get through the whole thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that would be funny. But they, like, I think now if they were to remake that movie now, because everybody's doing reboots now, I would hope they would look for and hire a real. Yeah, that's a good point. (laughs) One thing that kind of bugs me, though, about the tendency to use able-bodied people is that, like, if they had used a disabled person in the role at the time, the, the movie would not have garnered nearly as much critical acclaim because there's something in the performance because non-disabled people like watching able-bodied people perform disability that's the problem yeah because i feel like it gives them like it it gives them a kind of uh like like a sense that they are empathizing or doing some 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 kind of emotional work by appreciating his performance which it like isn't really necessarily true and the the idea that an able-bodied person can uh imitate or reproduce a disabled person's suffering um, makes them feel like they understand it better. The idea that a disabled person can trip up is a I think is like the term a lot of disabled people use now. Can oh, trip I up see. is like kind of gross. Well, like, I just imagine like if there was a camera that followed Daniel Day-Lewis around in that Dublin hospital of disabled people and he's just like uh, like taking notes and like imitating, it, it would look like extremely distasteful. But I mean, there was a point a couple of years ago where I, I when a director from San Francisco contacted me and said, I want to make a movie about two disabled lovers and I want to cast like this able-bodied actor, these two able-bodied actors to play these people with CP. Yeah. Would you consult with the, one of the disabled actors? And I remember being really excited and I said, yeah, yeah, sure, of course, like, representation is really important of course i will and so like i went down and i met this guy and we like did some scenes together and i showed him how to do certain spastic hand things and i showed him how to like hold his neck a certain way and how you would like drive your chair and i remember doing it thinking how progressive it was what i was doing now i would never do that i'd be like well why don't you just hire me like hire me i'll do it so what i'm saying is those viewpoints change over time yeah change depending on who you're talking to yeah do you think that now is the best time to be disabled though probably right well now is always the best time to be disabled i think i mean so i think in terms of te- technology and what we're able to like especially given that it's pandemic time we wouldn't be able to communicate with each other if it was like you know we didn't have the technology we have and like we're lucky to be in the kind of care systems we're in not so much jamie but tony and i live in supported housing stuff so like we you know have people who care for us even though sometimes shitty but at least it's there for us like a hundred years even fucking 30 years ago that wouldn't be an option well even just like the recognition that you're talking about i think 
now it's like less abnormal for somebody to date someone in a wheelchair, be friends with someone in a wheelchair, cast someone in a wheelchair in a role. Like, and I think all of that is just because as we progress as a society, we uh, shed, shed some of our ignorance. And I agree with that. I think also, though, that it's, it is kind of disheartening the questions people had. Because I started doing this work as a disability consultant like 10 years ago. And questions people had 10 years ago, they're still asking now. Like, how do you have sex? And how do you have a relationship? And like, these things don't seem to be, don't seem to be getting, yeah, they don't seem to be getting enough attention. So people are still having them. And I think that's where we need more. Like, we need movies about, like, that's why I did that movie that I did to show how, you know, a queer disabled person gets it on and has a sex life and is sexual. Like, but those are still, I get asked that almost every day in what I do. And you still feel like that documentary was not really a reflection of you as a person. Like it was cleaned up. I think it was a snapshot of who I was then. Yeah. Um, I think. You can, you could see your sense of humor on the margins and like in your, in your dynamic with your mom and stuff. My, that, my, the scenes with my mom are my favorite because she's, she just doesn't care. She's very much. You're like, do you want to come to an orgy? And she's like, well, I mean, I guess I do, but wait, but not for the reason. No, but yeah, but like, yeah. <laughs> she's pretty cool. Like that. And I think, you know, I think also it was important in that film to show our dynamic because people don't know what it's like for disabled people living with their family and they don't get to hear from, like, I also love the scenes with my friend Tanaj and there are just, yeah, she's about, so like, cool. Yeah. My, we've been friends forever and ever. And like, so, you know, we, had I not been gay, we would have been together. And so like that part of that. Yeah. You really messed up there. I mean, shit. <laughs> my love of the cock got me in real trouble then, um, <laughs> you know, but like we, we, you know, having such a friendship with her and all those, like people don't see those parts of our experience. Yeah. They only see, oh, the pretty disabled, the cute disabled kid that's doing a thing. Yeah. And like, I think. We need more documentaries that highlight that stuff. Yeah. And just the everyday realities of being disabled versus like some inspirational bent. And I think that film would have looked particularly different had they they had like a disabled director behind the camera. Like, I think it would have been a completely different film. I don't think I've ever seen a disabled movie made for disabled people. Well, there's special yeah, and he Ryan McCon- Ryan O'Connell is like a really good friend of mine, and we we um I I think what he did with that show was really groundbreaking because we haven't seen stuff like that. Yeah, and yeah, he's playing a character, and what I love about that character is the character is kind of a dick. The character is not not super like likable, but that's important too because it shows there are all facets of disabled people out there. Some of us are dicks. A lot of us are dicks. Um, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But yeah, I think that my left foot for me was one of the first films where I saw a version of myself and so I think I always hold it to this weird high standard because I watch it with my mom who was like look Andrew there's a version of what you have and she was trying to use that as like a marker point to show me what it was like to show me someone else's CP I'm surprised I was never it was never introduced to me as a child or like through high school and I'm obsessed with film and I had no idea it existed until a few months ago what? I know well, I think it's a great time to transition to the next segment, which we always do, called Wheel Breakers. 
Andrew. All right. So we have a segment on our show called Real Breakers, which is where it's like uh, we will. Okay. Let me just start with one. Okay. Simple one here for you. Okay. So I now have the power to make you able-bodied. I have a a little trick that I can do to make you able-bodied and you keep all of your memories. You are still who you are now, except you are able-bodied. Pretty straightforward. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So so your personality remains the same. Nothing about me is straightforward, Tony. Nothing. <laughs> it's gay forward. Here's the catch, okay? The catch is everything, you, you're fully able-bodied, but for whatever reason, you choose to do everything physically with your left foot only. You have to, like, write with your left foot. You're good at it. You can do it well. But you, you also, like... Press elevator buttons with your left foot. You pull the phone with your left foot. You uh, pay for stuff at the grocery store with your left foot. It's very strange because people look at you and you go, well, your hands work. Why, why are you using your foot? And you just, you just enjoy it. You like it. It's a skill you've acquired. Do you take this deal? Wait, wait. Wait, hold on. Do you do you brush your teeth with your left foot? You brush your teeth with your left foot. You wash your like like no toothbrush. You just hold on. No toothbrush. No, no, you, just no. Put... you you hold your toothbrush. Uh, oh, oh, okay, 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 okay. Because I, I thought maybe you like put the toothpaste on your toenail and just kind of like rub. No, it. No, 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 okay. No. <laughs> Obviously, Jamie has a foot fetish that we need to delve into later. Um, <laughs> Tony said that on the last podcast, and it's not true. Yeah, no, I'm starting to think it's true. I think Jamie's about to say yes for sure. Do you like big toes? No. I'm mortified of my feet. Do you like dainty girl toes that are like, mmm? No, Andrew. Oh, he does. He does, too. That was for sure. I can't say yes. (laughs) That was for sure, yeah. Anyway. There's nothing wrong with a foot fetish. It's like the least offensive harmful fetish. I have a fruit by the foot fetish. You're a fruit? Yeah, I figured that out. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Figured that out in college. Figured it out. Nice. Okay, um, Andrew, play it out. So, so what? So, so I'm playing wheel breakers? Um, yeah. So, okay. Can I fuck with this deal? Well, you can still use your penis, but like when you're like... Uh, <laughs> Whenever you like want to give them a back massage, you're going to use your foot for that. And like if you hug them, you put your leg around them. You're just kind of a weirdo, basically. I can't put my leg around anybody right now. So I think the answer would be yes. I think I would say yes. I would do it. You would do it. You would become a complete weirdo. Honestly, People already think I'm a weirdo. So what's, what? how is it any much different? Okay, fair enough. You might even just become like a sensation. Because people would be like, look at this guy. He does everything with his foot. I'm awesome. Yeah, I would do it. Okay. Jamie. I Yeah, I would do it as well. It'd be a small price to pay. Really? Oh, yeah. Huh. I wouldn't do it. I think that would be, be more socially isolating than being in a wheelchair. Can I still play video games? How yeah, with I, your foot. Just one foot? Yeah, but you're really good. At it. Don't worry. You're just as good. Can I put something on my foot that gives me like an opposable thumb so I can grip things better? It doesn't matter. You've figured it out in such a way where you're like, it's like, how does he even do it? But he does. Yeah, I totally do it. You wouldn't do it? No, like, like that'd be so weird. Why? Tony, your disability is de- de- degenerative right now. And so you're losing myelin. I think- That's true. I, I'm not really thinking about that, but like, I think that would be a weird, 
you'd just be like, no, everyone would be like, this guy's a weirdo. Whereas now they might think I'm weird, but it's like they already think you're a weirdo. Yeah, but it's different. They're like, oh, that's sad. Your head falls down when you drive over a curb. Yeah, but they just <laughs> they feel pity for me, which is like annoying. But it's they know that it's not something I've just become a weirdo. Everyone's gonna know this is just a weird thing you do. But what if you what if you told me your secret and we're like, actually, it's because this source I used said- to be disabled. Yeah, I think. Sorry. <laughs> The sorcerer named Tony Stark said that I... No, no, I wouldn't do it. I don't think I would do it. You raise a good point that my my disability is degenerative. So like maybe in five years and it's like I blink for yes and blink twice for no. Maybe then I'll be like, I wish I could take back my answer. I mean, it's been hard for me as your friend to watch you. Like when we were in college together to watch you like go from being able to eat food to go from like to then have a feeding tube. And like you've taken it with stride and been like, whatever, man, fuck, look cool. Yeah, yeah. But like, dude, if that was my reality, like my disability is not degenerative, but it sort of is. Like it's changed as I've gotten older. My body's gotten tighter. And like things have, nobody tells you what happens when you become a disabled, like middle-aged person. No one tells you that. So like, that's true. I think if I was given that option, I totally would take it. Fair enough. So if I have a foot fetish, you have a foot phobia? No, I have a I have a phobia of you having a foot fetish. Period. <laughs> I was, that was directed at Anthony, but uh, <laughs> I uh, I'm very aggressively indifferent about feet. I don't like mine for sure, but I don't because, I don't think they're hot. Is that because you can't use them? Yeah, well, they're also just weird and fat, and they look like diabetes feet, or like like they look like if I drowned to death and then my feet floated up. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> If I yeah. drown to death and then my feet floated up. <laughs> they're not good looking feet, but uh, I don't know. And there are definitely like some feet that are just really gross. I don't want to talk about feet anymore. Jamie, do you have a wheel breaker? I kind of want to ask Andrew a wheel breaker from a previous episode. Can I do that? Or is that self-plagiarism? Yeah, okay. No, fuck you. Sure, go ahead. So, okay, Andrew. So it's kind of the same premise. Yeah, you get to, you get to be... An able-bodied person. Yes. Um, but every day, in order to stay able-bodied, you have to consume a small piece of shit. I mean, I have people that don't, that don't know how to cook for me, cook for me. So, <laughs> that's kind of similar. I might be doing that right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, like, I mean... Keep in mind that he actually has his power. So if you say yes, you actually have to start eating shit. I mean, I, I, I mean, to be not to be super gay, but I eat guys' assholes out for fun. So I mean, it wouldn't <laughs> be, it wouldn't be that far of a stretch. Out of jealousy, <laughs> out of jealousy, it wouldn't be that far of a stretch. See what I did there? Stretch, stretch your asshole. Eat oh, your stop! <laughs> <laughs> you went there with the shit. I just followed along. I didn't go there. Jamie went there. <laughs> <laughs> James already made me go through this whole situation. What did you say? I think Andrew's response was just as funny. Yeah, what did, yeah. What did you say, Tony? No, I didn't say yes though. But <laughs> I don't eat guys' assholes out for fun either. Listen, I'm a pro at it. You can watch my porn. I will not. <laughs> <laughs> but send me a link if you really want it in the show. I mean, for context, I. I just, I'll just DM it to you privately and you can watch it and let me know your thoughts. I'm not going to watch it. Uh, can you guys review my porn? <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> that would be a hilarious premise for an episode, but that's disability media. Maybe only once we've actually amassed a following, because I don't think that's going to help us grow as a channel. Well, if you watch the porn, you'll grow for sure. <laughs> Anthony, Andrew's going to uh, DM you a BM. No, you're really just <laughs> using all jokes over and over again. I am. <laughs> DM you a BM? <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, well, Andrew, you don't, do, you, do you happen to have a, a wheelbreaker you'd like to pose? Or, uh, a wheelbreaker that I'd like to pose. Kind of putting you on the spot here. Um, I can't think of one. Do you do another one and I'll follow you? Okay, we can do another one. Um, oh, what if, what if you're, um, what if you get to be a disabled person? Or sorry, you get to be, ooh, ooh sounds luxurious. <laughs> uh, what if you get to be an able-bodied person, but, uh, and you, you're you, like with all, with all the bells and whistles? Yeah, I get but, it in there. <laughs> but you, you come back as Daniel Day Lewis. And uh, for eight hours a day, you're in character as someone with cerebral palsy. Oh, that's just, no, <laughs> no, I wouldn't. No, no, I wouldn't. By the way, only eight hours a day? Well, I've like forever, for however long he pretended to be a cripple for that fucking movie. So probably 12 hours, probably. But only 12 hours. Forever for the rest of his life? Well, I mean, yeah, he's just constantly preparing for that role. So for half my day, I'd have to pretend to be Christy Brown. Yeah, but you're not. But then the other half of your day, you're sleeping. Yeah, that's boring. No, yeah, no, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. No, no, no. Well, I mean, like, I maybe you have like three hours in the evening to do whatever Daniel Day Lewis does. I like Tony's <laughs> version better because I'd be a weird ass foot person, but I would still, I, I could still bang like a fucking motherfucker. So yeah. Oh, there you go. You're basically just saying, would you like to have CP or pretend to have CP? <laughs> yeah, what? Tony. Okay, Tony, give me another one. Tony, give me a, give me a. <laughs> Less weird one. Okay, I'll give you a, I'll give you a weird one. Let's, I'll, I'll just keep going down the path that we're already going down. It seems like. Um. All right. Well, how about this? And just to set the scene, I know you know how it works, but I give you the ability to become an able-bodied person. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the only catch is this is the sound you make every time you orgasm. <laughs> <laughs> you did with your chair there you just <laughs> pivoted <laughs> right into your microphone <laughs> if you watch my porn you'll know i make a very similar sound when it <laughs> secondly <laughs> secondly yeah i have no problem with that it's all right there was a guy you would do that every time <laughs> sim- a very similar sound yes <laughs> uh and i was with the guy once who growled like a wolf every time we every time he was gonna come so he oh god so I've been with dudes who make weird sounds, and I make weird sounds. So yeah, okay. At least you had a warning, I guess. You're just you're instantly okay with it. Yeah. But think about like your the amount of sex you have will probably be gone. right now. As a disabled person, I have a I have rods put up my pee hole four times a day. So if, if the only trade off is making a weird yeah. orgasm sound, I win. Okay, I mean, fair enough. Do you, okay, do you think you would like? warn people about it beforehand or you just like let them find out the first time no i'd let it be part of our weird kink together and they would learn that i make weird sounds it's fine you think you'd ever see the person again i usually 
<laughs> I don't see the person again right now unless I pay for it anyway. So no. <laughs> um, I have a question for you before we. Uh, I wanted to ask you this because I asked it on a previous episode, and uh, Jamie isn't gay enough to answer. Notice how I said enough, but yeah, we um, got it. <laughs> we're trying to. I I want to know, and I, I'd like your uh, opinion. Okay. Do you think, as a disabled person, yeah. And I'm kind of being facetious, but I'm actually kind of being serious. Do you think it's easier to be disabled and gay or disabled and straight? I think it's easier to be disabled and straight. Why? Because gay men are very, in my opinion, even body gay men are very body conscious, very, very set on one aesthetic of like super muscular, go to the gym five days a week and like fucking everybody. And yeah, yeah, I have really be really hot and really fit. And so I can't do that. And like I have a stupid question. Can you are a, can, you are a can, stupid can, I am a stupid question. <laughs> oh, that's a relief. Okay, well then I'll just ask it anyway. Um, <laughs> Every time you introduce him, Jamie. Is there a lot of like toxicity in the gay community? Like, oh my god, go on any gay blog for five seconds. Go on a drag. Go, you know what you should do? Want to see toxicity in the gay community? Go on a RuPaul's Drag Race message board. For two minutes and read that. Mm. Tell me that they're not toxic gay men out there. Like toxic masculinity. Yeah, super. Like it can be really problematic. And so, yeah, to answer your question, when you come out as gay, you will you will encounter that. Are are they toxic like in the same way that straight men are? Well, no, they're very like it's very catty, it's very petty. Oh, okay. Like. It's really cutting, and I don't think that's super nice. So here's where my ignorance came in, because when I posed the question, I actually thought it might be easier to be gay and disabled uh, because, like, hookup culture is a lot bigger, I think, in the gay community. Yeah, you're right, but nobody wants to hook up with the guy whose dick they 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 think doesn't work, and they don't want to hook up with the guy that they assume is paralyzed. But that's the same thing in the straight community. Yeah, but it's it's heightened in the gay community because in the gay community with men particularly, you're supposed to be strong and you're supposed to be a man and you're supposed to go to the gym and you're supposed to do all these things. And when you can't meet that standard, you're immediately dismissed. Well, I guess there's also like you, uh, you're already faced with prejudice as a gay person. And then if you try to add to that, like at least as a straight person, the only real prejudice I have to deal with is my disability. But if you're gay and disabled, you kind of have like the double way. Yeah, there's like two closets you have to come out of. You have to come out of being as being <laughs> yeah. gay and then come out as being disabled. And I always that's, say this. In- that's really interesting that there's a disabled closet. I mean, there. I mean, but think about how many times the two of you have come out as disabled in different ways. Like they, they <laughs> people know you're disabled, but how many times have you had to explain a certain part of your disability? Oh, for sure. So that like, like somebody is comfortable with you. And so like we do it, but you know, I think having those, like, I think being a person of color and being disabled is much harder than being a white disabled person. Um, Yeah. And much more, you know, we don't talk about that enough. So I think, I think we shouldn't, we definitely shouldn't play like oppression Olympics, but like, you know, we should look at how each piece of those things makes the world different for someone else. Totally. Yeah. That's a very good point. Like, I have to come out every time I meet a new person on Tinder or whatever. Basically, there's, like, that whole, even though I'm I'm open as disabled or whatever, I don't explain my whole life to them 
in my bio or whatever. So yeah, your bio is like a ridiculous snapshot of Tony being silly. But like, if you were gonna get to know this person really, you'd have to be like, so I need help with this, and here's what I yeah. need, and like, so there is, and you do that constantly. We do that when we deal with attendance. We do that when we deal with like just different people in in our life, like with my sex worker that I see that I would see once every three weeks pre pandemic, like you know, we, I still have to tell him stuff about my body if we're going to have a good session. And that's embarrassing because sometimes I want to just, I don't want to have to explain all my needs to you. But at the same time, like even like two able-bodied people, when they hook up, there's, if they're good communicators, there's always like a discussion around like preferences physically and whatever. So like, it's not that different. Sometimes like there isn't. And like, yeah, I would love to be in a space where I didn't have to like, because I'm disabled, I feel like I have to offer those those like experiences to make the able-bodied person that I'm with feel okay with this. And like, I wish that there were moments where I could be like, I want to just suck your dick and have a good time, and then you can leave. Yeah, you don't have to be like, move an inch to the left, please. Yeah, or like, take my pants off this way, or like, I need you, ha- I need your help to go back in the chair. Like, I wish I could just be like, and sometimes with my worker, now that I know my worker really well, and we built a rapport like there'll be moments where he'll come over and we won't say words to each other we'll just do the thing and like that's yeah fun but it's taken it's taken years to get to that place where i don't have You're to tell familiar. him stuff yeah 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 that's that's a really good point uh jamie do you have any more uh wheel breakers or do you want to move on to our final segment let's do the final segment all right so our final segment is awkward disability moment of the week and I mean, we use of the week a little loosely around here because right now not a lot is happening for people. <laughs> so, you know, do you have a, an awkward disability moment of the week or of recent past or just a good highlight? Um, well, my phone fell today and the phone is like something that's really valuable for disabled people and it's like our lifeline of stuff. And so like... It fell, and we only had two staff members on t- today. Can we explain, though, like, why it's a lifeline? Because I know people really get that. Because, like, it's how we call our attending care workers, and it's how we call for help, and it's we use it for everything. And so I have it on my bed every night, and with me in bed every night, and I usually watch TV on it, and then I'll, then I'll turn it off and go to bed. But I guess last night it fell, and I had turned it off because I hadn't been sleeping well because pandemic anxiety is real, and so I haven't been sleeping well, so I turned off my phone and I was like oh, okay I'll just put it on my pillow and I'll sleep so I went to bed and I woke up at like 8 30 this morning when when the attendant was supposed to be here, there and they had told they told us last night that there was only two people working so I knew that and so I was looking for my phone to like call them and figure out what was happening and I realized my phone had fallen and then I couldn't call anybody because I turned my phone off so none of my electronics would sync to my phone because I turned it off so um it was just awkward being like, great, what do I do? Like, what if nobody comes and what if I'm stuck here? And like, you go, th- so scary. you go through these weird moments of like, what's going to happen if nobody remembers that I exist right now? Yeah, because you don't know when they're even coming, right? Yeah, because right now, like, normally there'd be a schedule, but because of the pandemic, everything has been pushed back and moved around and changed and reordered. And so like, I didn't know when they were coming. And so I, I kind of sat there for an hour being like, okay, you're like, telling myself in my head, you're safe, everything's fine, like, somebody will eventually be there, but I need a catheter to go pee and do stuff. So if the pee was bad enough and I couldn't pee, I was worried that, like, my bladder would burst, I was worried that, like, 
you know, big, scary disability medical things would happen to me. And so luckily somebody showed up, but now I'm looking about, now I'm looking to be the ultimate old person and get one of those like life alert systems. That's like, Oh no, I fallen and I can't get up because I, I want to be like safe and not die. I think just knowing that you have that will help you sleep better and stuff. Like literally, but don't you also have a home pod? Yeah, but I had turn, turned my phone off. So the home pod only works if your phone is on. Oh, but that's outrageous. I know. Uh, the Googles and Alexas work without your phone turned on. My, I had a Google for a while there, but it didn't Apple, work. Like Apple, if, if you ever listen to this, that's a crazy feature that's missing. Like you shouldn't have to have your phone nearby to use it to call. And also, I discovered this morning during that whole event that you can't call my, you cannot call 911 on your HomePod, which oh, feels... yeah, that's true. Which feels really problematic because I wanted to call 911 to be like, can somebody come over here and help me do things? Or at least give me my phone. And like, so I'm literally, after we get hang up the phone, I'm calling the, the life alert people to be like, how do I order one? What's... Yeah, that's so scary. I've definitely been there before where, like you said, you're basically just kind of like zenning out. You're kind of just zenning out so that you can focus on like okay i'm good be present be you're safe like you're you're gonna get through this you're like basically rationalizing your existence in that moment to just be okay yeah so that you don't freak out and like because freaking out doesn't help anything in that situation no it makes it totally like and when you have when you have spastic cp like i do and Jamie knows he's taking like five pee breaks during this recording. So like when you have to pee, you just have to you have to go right then. Yeah. And if you think about it more and more, you're gonna pee yourself. So um it was a really fun morning. Yeah, that's definitely an awkward disability moment of the week. Awkward gimp moment. I wish I could be I like I know how last I hate the word gimp. And let me tell you why. Why? why? <laughs> because because the Leather people in BDSM, like, you know, those people that wear like the full leather costumes. I do know. And they like to get whipped <laughs> and like sit in sewers and rub shit all over their bodies and whatever. Okay. Well, you don't know fully what a gimp is. It's not entirely That's, what it is. They definitely do that. And I'll send you a video. <laughs> if you yeah, ever send, I'll send me, I'll send you my porn. And I'll, so. Yeah. yeah, if you send me your porn, that's your punishment. I'll send you a gimp rolling around in a sewer. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so I don't want to be associated with that. And I'll let them have the word, you know? I don't, I don't care about What I was going to say was, I can't remember now, There was I had a good quip at the end to be like, I forget now. Oh, sorry. I didn't realize I was, I thought you were done. Shit. Um, oh, no, I'm disabled and I dropped my phone. <laughs> Wait, did you actually drop your phone? No, no, I haven't. It's fine. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> um, I guess I'll say mine. Mine also happened today. Fortunately, we record on different days than we release, so I don't have people trying to figure out what day it is. But um, I... Okay, so we've talked in the past on this podcast about how there are attendants who are competent in every way, but there's just something that makes you kind of wish... Like, they're kind of, like, on that cusp of, like, they're not good, but they're not so bad that, like, you can, like, ask to not see them again or something. 
Uh, but they're also just like, it's always like every time you see them, you're like, all right, kind of buckle up for the ride kind of thing. <laughs> I mean, and you can ask to not see them, but then you come off like a dick. So you're like, oh. yeah, because they're, they're not doing anything wrong. Yeah. It's just, it's just like, maybe even it's just like your personalities don't quite mesh or something. Yeah. And so it's just like a little frustrating the whole time. And so anyway, I get this person like once a week and I, I kind of know when I'm going to see them. So I try to like go to bed a bit earlier so that I have a bit more energy because it takes a lot of emotional energy because the, the thing is, this person is super nice and has the best intentions, but just is not very good at understanding what I'm saying. And I know that like sometimes... I mean, you do sound like Kermit the Frog in a bug and blender, so I don't... Yeah, like sometimes I sound like I sound like an underwater lawnmower, but I'm pretty clear and coherent. So like this person, instead of like trying to understand me, will just like start guessing at what I'm asking for. That's so insulting. It's so frustrating. Is this person so, like 65? What, why are they yeah, so ignorant? Do they have, do they have like cognition barriers that we should know? Maybe, about? maybe it's definitely a language barrier. Like English is not her first language. Um, and I, I kind of feel bad even saying it because like, I get it. But at the same time, like it is something I have to deal with. So like it's also my life. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. But, Five people listen to this podcast. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'll be like, uh, you know, can you move my shoulders over? And she won't know what I'm saying. So she'll like grab my foot or like move my leg. Will she grab your left foot? Or got my left foot, or she like get my toaster, or she like go and get my cat. Get your toaster. <laughs> you know, like it's just like it almost feels like she's just doing things that she knows I sometimes ask for. It's like you know when a robot short circuits and they just start going through all the commands that they know, and they just like start. I don't know. It's it was really frustrating, and so like. I'm kind of like trying to play charades, but I can't move or like speaking doesn't really. You're playing help. charades. Ah! <laughs> oh, God. So bad. Can you not write her like a note on your computer? No, well, I'm like in the shower or something. Oh, no. He's opening the bag of leaves. So then I, I end up talking to her like, and I feel bad doing it, but it feels like the only way that works will be like shoulders. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it feels like I'm like on one of those automated operators on a robocall, you know, really operator. Do you let, do you really have to say like scrotum? <laughs> I mean, that is my favorite word. So testicles, please. I'm sitting on my balls. Please just go my balls. Ah, like it. <laughs> my balls. <laughs> When I got really, when like four years ago, I had an attendant and she's super, we're super friendly now, but I was kind of an asshole to most of my attendants when I first moved in and she had never done my wake up before and I didn't like that. So she put me in the sling wrong and it like caught my balls a bit, not a lot, but enough to hurt me. And so instead of like kindly telling her to move my balls, I was like, my balls! And- yeah, I definitely <laughs> screamed my balls before. <laughs> I wonder if Chrissy Brown screamed my balls. <laughs> at one point or another, anyone who has to be helped by someone, especially a female, if you're a male and a female is helping you, because they don't have the same understanding of what balls are like. 
So you'd be like, you can't just do that. Like sometimes <laughs> I'll have attendants like reach in and grab my balls. And I'm like, you can't just grab, like, you can't just Yeah, you have to, like, they're, like, gentle orbs of... Yeah, so it's, it's just a... I ended up having to say, like, a couple awkward phrases. And that's what made me think of it. Like, I, one time I was like, okay, if you don't understand what I'm saying, just wait until you understand rather than just guessing randomly. Because, like, that's the worst. Especially when she starts guessing things like, oh, you want the shower to be hotter. And it's already hot, and I don't oh, want no, to burn you. Yeah, so it, like that kind of thing. And then today, probably the most awkward phrase I had to use was, "Please don't use my legs as handles." <laughs> <laughs> it's, oh God! You see, I have so many questions. Yeah. I was like, I was like uh, "Can you?" Uh, I don't even remember what I was asking her to do, but she like grabbed my leg to pull me over, and it like hurt because like you know. It's not really good body mechanics. And uh, I was like, please don't use my legs as handles. <laughs> so at that moment, I was like, okay, this is an awkward disability moment. Because how many other people ever have to say in their life, please don't use my legs as handles? I mean, I kind of want to get, I kind of want you to get that as a tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jamie, do you have any? My only awkward disability story relates to, uh, a constant problem I have with flooding my bathroom and not being able to properly communicate to Ew. my parents that it's not really an avoidable <laughs> situation. Because I have like a, I have an inaccessible um, uh, like porcelain bathtub with like a really high lip and I have to use a... Uh, hang on, hang on. Just I need to clarify. Do your parents know you have cerebral palsy? <laughs> I, I don't think they do, to be honest with you. I think they're hoping if they pretend it doesn't happen, then it, it'll just go away on its own. Cool, cool. I swear to God, every third shower that I have, I'll get a lecture from my dad being like, the water's getting into the crawl space. Well, then you can lecture him and say, don't shovel when you have a fucking bypass, dad. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, the the playing field is not level, so I can't say things like that in response to my Well, parents. he's sort of disabled too, so it is kind of level. Um <laughs> That's true. Imagine they didn't use the word quadruple because people make fun of them the way we make fun of Jamie for saying words like that. So they just called it a bypass, 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 bypass. (laughs) (laughs) Such a weird show. But my person's here gently waiting for me to go urinate. So, okay. All right. Sorry, finish your story. Uh, Yeah, that's all. I mean, uh, I I don't have a solution (laughs) yet. I still have to figure out what the fuck to do to prevent the water from. flooding the bathroom i think we need to completely renovate the space because it's totally unfinished and it's been that way for years by the way i don't know why my mom hasn't treated that space with the same uh respect or efficacy or whatever that she treats efficacy what the fuck is up with you man i don't know <laughs> I, like, I don't know like, you're like a fucking webster's crypt of webster's cryptionary what the <laughs> hell man i'm not even certain that that was the proper usage of the term I'm just nervous. Oh, I make him nervous. Oh, <laughs> he's a little baby gay. It's cute. Oh, all right. Are we done? No, we can we can leave it in. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> Go ahead, Tony. Maybe what you got to do is just do what Andrew's been doing and have bed baths for the next eight days. Uh, all right. Well, all right. Thanks for coming on, Drew. Weird. Uh. It was a good time, friends, and I'm really excited that your show's out there, and we need more disability content. That And I like the show because it's all, it's not really structured. We just 
shoot the shit for two hours. It was yeah, we're just time. hanging out. Uh, so people should check you out. Check out. Yeah, I want me to do my ultimate plug, so you can follow me. At yeah, plug yourself, Drew Gerza, on Twitter and Instagram. You have a butt plug. Uh, you might see my bomb on Instagram. Sometimes I do that. So prepare yourself. Uh, you can follow my front-facing Twitter at Drew Gerza, and you can follow my dirty Twitter, my alternate Twitter at Dirty Gerza on Twitter, and you can Your follow Twitter. Me, yeah, my Twitter. <laughs> You can follow me on Instagram at Drew Gerza. Uh, you can follow my website, www.drewgerza.com. And you can download new episodes of my podcast, Disability After Dark, every Saturday, wherever you do podcasting. Uh, what about Handy? Oh, yeah. And so my, so we didn't talk about this at all, but my sister and I have created a sex toy company to create the first line of sex tech for and by disabled folks. And we've printed a book all about disability and sexuality and we're producing the first toy so you can find out more about that by going to www.that'shandy with an i dot co so you can go there and check that out i love the graphic design on the cover of that book by the way the thong over top of the power chair joystick it's really cool oh yeah that was that was we definitely had some some big meetings about do we want it to be a joystick what does that mean there were some definitely some team meetings about all that <laughs> that's awesome All right, well, yeah, thanks, and uh, until next time, take care, everyone. Cripple out! (laughs) (laughs) Bye. See ya. See ya. Thanks for doing this with us. No worries. Well, let me know when you want to come on my show. We'll figure it out. Okay, sounds good. Awesome. Bye. Bye. All right, cool. See ya.